0: I'll never forget that uh, we ran back to the Borgata after we made that score, uh, hit a daily double, uh, ended up getting back about 850 bucks or something, uh, but needed it desperately to avoid going to the cash machine. Uh, and, and it's always a little sad when you're among the you know, 11 or so people that are lined up at the various ATMs around any casino destination at 12.01, because uh, it's a new day. You can get new cash, but you might be out of it before you even get to breakfast. <laughs> it's worth having these limits, I guess, on your ATM card. No, Louie? Like, like, what's the maximum you could draw off your ATM card? If you, uh, put it's usually 500. It's usually 500.
1: Okay. I don't yeah. know if it's
0: around. Yeah, i a nickel somewhere in yeah, yeah. that category. And uh, lately, my uh, withdrawals have been uh, frequent and uh, even more generous. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the time. Wake up with Defo. Joined by Luby.
3: Welcome
0: to The Depot Show. On a beautiful Monday morning here in South Florida and around the world, good to have you with us here on South Florida Live. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz. It's The Depot Show. Appeal yourself off the Mad Monday. And we're certainly doing some of that. I, I don't know how active your weekend was, Luby, but uh, I could not have been any lazier this weekend. Did uh, virtually nothing of, uh, you know, a- any, you know, great you know effort uh, that it would take to, uh, you know, get out there. Uh, walked over to the beach a couple of times. Uh, that was about it. A uh, lot of seaweed, Luby. A lot of seaweed. Everybody's worried about sharks. I'm more concerned about seaweed, my friend. It uh, gets all entangled and it wraps around your neck. All of a sudden you feel like you're in some kind of uh, bizarre Erwin uh, Allen film uh, with killer seaweed. And it was all over the place here in South Florida, although uh, little to complain about compared to some of the uh, weather atrocities that are taking place elsewhere around the United States and around the planet. And uh, you can't help, I mean, your heart bleeds for these people in Kentucky. My God, uh, supposedly socked with more rain again last night. And you're watching uh, just uh, devastation and families uh, being washed away. Uh, Pretty crazy stuff. And then you got this giant blistering heat wave going on on the West Coast and fires burning all over the place. Global warming? Nah, I think not.
4: (laughs) Stuff. uh, I don't know.
0: Was it happening 300 years ago? All of these uh, weather atrocities? I guess they had their share. But uh, nonetheless, it does seem kind of odd that uh, these occurrences are more and more frequent. Much like the whole argument about uh, the banning of assault rifles. uh, You know, it it does appear uh, logical to believe that maybe uh, if they weren't so readily available, you might at least have one less. Mass shooting, which uh, was there something going on in Orlando yesterday? I mean, it, it becomes almost shrug your shoulders, matter of fact, right? I thought I caught a blip on the news. It's almost like seeing uh, some inconsequential trade on a yep. crawl. On Sports Center, we go, Oh yeah, yeah, 11, dead in or- was there something going on in Orlando yesterday? I thought I caught that. I didn't hear anything. And uh, I'm almost afraid to watch the news. But uh, uh, we're here in the uh, toy department, the sports world, and uh, good to be here. Although, uh, you know, that was obviously the big story and uh, a pleasure. Actually, later, uh, I was hoping this would happen. Uh, Leslie Visser going to join us, uh, very close to Bill Russell during his career. Uh, her brother Chris had a very touching tribute that he posted on Facebook. About Bill Russell. Bill Russell, uh, 88 years old, passed away yesterday, and uh, this was a weird one because, I mean, for me, who knew that he was even in poor health? I, I didn't know. It was kind of like when Schuler checked out at 90 something. Uh, these these are guys you figured were never going to die. Just yeah. uh, they would go on forever. And uh, every time you saw Russell at a public appearance, so while he may have been uh, showing signs of age, uh, he he not He certainly didn't look like you know he, he was uh, close to meeting. Uh, his maker, and um, so kind of surprised me yesterday. Uh, Mike Mayo actually texted me in the news uh, asking me, of course, well, what's the question everybody's going to ask oh, me? Deadpool. Did you have them? The I know you had them. <laughs> I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, Deadpool activity. No, I did not have Bill <laughs> Russell in the uh, Deadpool, uh, nor, I mean, uh, you know, would I have been happy to cash? It's almost like asking me if I would sign up for the Live Tour. What are you talking about? <laughs> Nobody's rooting for anybody's death in a Deadpool. It's just that if it happens to occur and you cash in on it, I don't know. Is that so evil of a concept? Uh, do you consider that blood money, Mike Luby-Lubitz? Is it like signing up with the Saudis? It's a little gross. Am I hypocritical to sit here and, and you know, kind of cast aspersions <laughs> at the Live Tour guys for selling out? Think about this. Phil, I, I don't think Phil's had a round under par since he signed on for the Live Tour. I mean, you're talking about El Finito. This guy is a shot fighter, finished. I don't know what happened to him. He was competitive uh, like a year ago, and he was 51, and he wins a major championship. And you're thinking, "My God, that's brilliant!" I mean, what what a great you know continuation for a career that started out uh, where uh, you know he he was always being ripped, right? Best golfer, never to win a major. He finally broke through, uh, won a handful of majors, and uh, then at 51, he, he wins a, a major golf tournament last year, and you thought, "Wow, wow remarkable uh, to be able to have that kind of stability uh, where you can keep a career going at the highest of levels." For such a long period of time, but uh, whatever happened after that, I don't know if it's the uh, gripe with Monahan, uh, the PGA Tour uh, commissioner, or uh, whatever this controversy is that's following. Uh, everybody that signs up for the Live Tour has to answer the obvious questions, like "Hey, did you sell your soul to the devil?" <laughs> that's always a good one coming from the crowd there at the <laughs> press conference, right? Uh, it's not like hey, "Hey, can you describe that putt you had on 16?" I always like when, uh, you know, one of the general questions at a golf press conference is, uh, take us through your round." <laughs> it's kind of like Jim Gray, you know, in the <laughs> ring after a fight. Guy's got blood dripping from every point. He says, how would you assess, uh, grade your performance tonight? Ah, I'd Give it a B plus there, Jimmy. I tell you what, the blood dripping into my eyeball was not a per-
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stupid questions. But, uh, you know, it, it's sort of relevant at these golf press conferences, and I, I don't know who asked the obligatory question. Take us through your round. I don't know. Have you ever sat in on one of these things? I don't think you've ever Not done golf. Like, a golf press Not conference. Golf, no. 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 <laughs> no. Take us through your round. And, and then the guy does. He says, well, you know, on one, I teed off driver. I hit it about uh, two inches to the right of where I was aiming and uh, went like three yards too long. I got in a little uh, pothole there. Somebody left. Uh, they didn't uh, replace their divot. And then uh, I shanked one. And a guy will go through like all 69 shots <laughs> and uh, describe them in great detail. It's great, man. Total recall. I don't think Phil could remember all of his shots. He's spraying a ball all over the place. I mean, he looks like, uh, you know, your typical spray hitter. Uh, Anyway, he finishes up like plus five in a three-round tournament over what appeared to be a relatively easy course there, that Bedminster uh, with the Trumpster uh, parading around. Like, I mean, could you look like any more of a clown than the Trumpster did parading around – there I go i 'm sorry, man that was quick. I did it' me, you know I decided i wasn 't going to do this anymore, and I just i can 't help
1: myself it 's hard not to for a
0: guy for a guy who was blasting the Saudis when he was the president of the United States as uh, the enemy of all people oh good uh, to now be partying with these guys and uh, you know taking their money as uh, i would would imagine that if they have a uh, hundred thousand and change to pay the guy that finished in last place in this golf tournament after giving a guy like a hundred million to sign for the for the tour to begin with, uh, they probably had a pretty handsome fee that they were handing over to Donnie Trump there to host his golf to host this golf tournament. And then he has another one coming up at the rally Are you going to be out there protesting, Libby? Heckling? No. Doing something? No. no. No interest? No, no. <laughs> Heinrich Stenson ends up winning the thing. Uh, this was a guy. I mean, th- this is like the uh, 40 and over tour. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's sort of an intermediate tour between yep. the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour. Yep. So if you want to play in your 40s, and he cops four million dollars, this guy was not going to make four million dollars in prize money the rest of his career. He <laughs> comps four million dollars for winning this tournament, a three-round tournament. Heinrich Stenson, right, the big Swede. We uh, we thrown in the towel on a big Swede a long time ago. Yes, a functional guy. I, I don't know. You know, it's not like he's horrible, but uh, you know, certainly was not a contender to win anything uh, in recent years. And uh, yet there he is, winning four million dollars or making four million. Uh, Brooks Kepka, your man from uh, Florida State, uh, finished uh, like a non-menacing fifth or sixth and uh, ended up copping like a million and a half. More than the winner uh, Tony Finau had on the PGA Tour for uh, winning the Rocket Mortgage Tournament that just took place. And by the way, it's back to back for Tony Finau. But uh, I-, I don't know. The Trumpster running around uh, in that white shirt with the uh, black and white golf shoes and the stupid red cap on, make America great again a guy who had blasted the Saudis as being uh, just just the most, most ruthless and despicable people that you could possibly ever find. And then all of a sudden he's like, eh, 11 eh, I don't know. I'm not sure anything really happened here what a schmuck all right i got that off my chest i want to get that out of the way uh the bill russell tributes uh very very touching Uh, a lot of tributes uh, coming in for bill russell i i watched bill russell play because i was a kid when he was uh, breaking into the nba now the nba was not nearly as popular although we uh, we did watch it you didn't have uh the availability of like a zillion games Uh, there wasn't any uh, nba network and tnt and tbs and all of these other outlets for NBA broadcasts. In fact, uh, it's still legendary that the NBA finals, uh, what, in the 70s tape were delete. being shown on tape delay. Yeah, they, they didn't even play the games live, I mean, on TV. So, uh, you know, they they were a long way off. Uh, Bill Russell, though, a great player. The battles with Chamberlain and Walt Bell's Bellamy, uh, always classic. Of uh, course, I saw a lot of uh, Russell against the Knicks uh, in, in that uh Bellamy era and just a dominant player. I mean, revolutionized the game. Uh, everybody would knock him, uh, you know, back in uh, that time, even for not being a big scoring machine. Where Wilt Chamberlain was going for a hundred, Bill Russell's career scoring average was 15.6. So when people start talking about anybody that wants to throw a little uh, so-called chink in the armor there of the Bill Russell legend, we'll, we'll point to that. Uh, 15.6 scoring average, which uh, wasn't exactly enormous. So you would figure anybody that would be considered among the greats of all time would have had to be a 20 plus point a game scorer. And yet uh, Russell had little interest in scoring and and didn't care how his team went about the business of winning the game. Now, now he would occasionally grab like 50 rebounds in a game. So uh, a rebounding master, uh, tremendous shot blocker also with uh, great instincts. Uh, They had any number of clips, and these various tributes that I was watching yesterday, which was pretty much all day long for uh, Bill Russell and uh, Sports Center uh, ESPN, they did a very good job on this. I don't know if they were waiting. Like, did they have word that he was going to die? Well, what happens with this sort of stuff, right? How many of the local stations here do you think had the Shula package ready to go just in case he checked out at any time? And so you could go right to it. Okay, right to the Shula package. The minute that it was known that the guy died. But uh, if they were putting this together on the fly, a uh, tremendous job uh, by ESPN yesterday of gathering uh, various tributes and testament to uh, the greatness of uh, Bill Russell, who uh, I, I just remember him grabbing a rebound and with that left hand, just, uh, you know, it, it was unusual, like especially the Jewish kids from New York, what we couldn't palm the basketball. That was one reason, one of two reasons why we couldn't dunk, Luby. The Jewish kids uh, couldn't dunk because, A, hands too small to palm the basketball. B, couldn't get two inches off the ground with the vertical leap. So uh, it was always great, though, to see Russell just hold the ball with one hand and then fling it like he was Sandy Koufax down the court there to a streaking Hondo Havlicek or Sam Jones or Casey or any of the great Boston Celtic teammates that he had over the years. And, uh, I know, uh, people will also say, well, he won 11 championships with his team in 13 seasons, two out of three as a head coach, by the way, and was uh, long ahead of uh, Frank Robinson uh, to break the color barrier as a head coach of an American uh, professional sports team. Uh, he was the first of them. Red Auerbach uh, gave him that distinction, uh, turned the team over to him, player coach, and still won two out of three championships uh, with, with that Boston Celtics team. Uh, went on and, and then coached, uh, I don't know if this, uh, you know, diminished his uh, coaching career at all, but uh, anytime you end up coaching the Sacramento Kings, I, I'm not sure that that's any uh, great distinction uh also uh, was a head coach uh, with another team uh, also uh, bill russell there in his uh post celtic career but 13 years with the celtics 11 championships greatest team sport player of uh, all time I, I don't know if you could uh, deny that and really was uh all about the so-called team no i in team with bill russell didn't care about statistics didn't care what people thought about him i uh, was also uh, dealing with jackie robinson like color barrier issues uh, even in the NBA, there, there was a picture of uh, Russell. I guess uh, was this his rookie season? Was he the only black player on the so. Boston Celtics? Yeah, was, uh, yeah, I think so. At one time, no, I mean, I, I remember him playing with Satch Sanders and uh, Casey and Sam Jones and uh, others. But uh, yeah, in this one particular picture I saw, and I think it was his rookie season. He had just broken into the NBA. He was the only black player on the team. Boston, not exactly uh, known as uh, a team. I'm in a city of uh, great racial sensitivity. Would you say?
1: Oh no, no. I not mean, ex- it's not exactly it funny a great place. Is, uh, the overarching uh, sentiment out of that area is uber liberal and uber open minded, but there are certain areas in the Boston, Greater Boston area that is known to be closed minded, to say the least. All
0: right, yeah, and, and uh, you know there were various incidents documented about how. Uh, I think uh, Jackie McMullen was on TV last night, and she was uh, very close to Bill Russell, having been a reporter in Boston for so many years and a great NBA writer. And uh, she, she uh, had some very touching things, as I would imagine Leslie Visser will have to say uh, later on on this show. But uh, and uh, she was talking about the incident where uh, he moved to the suburbs of Boston. He moved his family to the suburbs of Boston, and uh, you know they uh, did everything uh, to defame him. Uh, you know, feces all over his house. Vandalized his home, and you know, essentially, we're saying, "Hey, uh, listen, and word, get out of here. You're not welcome here." This was a guy, a star of the Boston Celtics, one yes. of the most uh, revered teams yes. and franchises in all of sports history. Yep. And uh, this was the kind of stuff that uh, he was having to deal with. And uh, and then also, I mean, the social activism was not a popular thing for athletes <laughs> to get involved in. And he, he was very much involved in all of that. Uh, came, uh, you know, right away to uh, be a backer of Muhammad Ali when he had his business about refusing induction into the armed services and Martin Luther King marches. This was not something that a lot of athletes necessarily would get involved in. And Russell, of course, spearheaded most of that and was very vocal and outspoken about it and very instrumental in trying to promote the message of justice for all, so to speak. So... I, I don't know that anybody could have anything but the highest of praise for this man, and watching his career, uh, it was a pleasure because you, you would just say, uh, you know, time and again, uh, wow, how is it that this guy always ends up winning? Not not the prettiest offensive player, though. I mean, uh, he, uh, he had the hook shot. He really uh, couldn't shoot jumpers very well, uh, but was inside and very crafty, and, and, and the rebounding stats are, are amazing. And the head-to-head battles with Wilt and, and of course, uh, Walt Bellamy uh, will forever be uh, remembered, uh, to a lesser extent, Bellamy. But uh, Wilt, of course, uh, you know, the most powerful force, I think, ever in basketball history. Uh, I mean, could you make a case for Kareem? He wasn't as strong as Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, and Wilt would be in there battling and grab like 35 rebounds a game also. So uh, uh, it was a pleasure to watch uh, all of that back in the day, and uh, it was great seeing uh, uh, the tremendous respect that people had for Bill Russell and uh, all of the tributes uh, were very moving, very touching, and uh, they were uh, plentiful. And I would imagine that that will uh, go on for a while, and and maybe even into perpetuity, uh, as it uh, deservedly uh, should. Uh, we will not be featuring the professor today. Uh, really <laughs> the one guy that thought Russell
1: sucked. <laughs> <laughs> he lobbied. <laughs> he offered his services. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you did volunteer to come on the show today
0: and uh, we thought it would be in poor taste I so like, yeah, uh, i don't know <laughs> listen to us making judgments based on what's good or bad exactly. in terms of taste apologize for that people but uh you know well maybe we should yeah, lower uh, the bar a little bit here on the program I, I would think and, and allow that material in uh decision coming today on your man uh, deshaun watson what do you think it's going to be Let me. i say one year suspension like everybody's been speculating uh yeah. what, what el- is the nba almost i mean the nfl almost forced to do that yes uh, just based on uh, the fact that that's been out there forever, that yep. they were going to suspend this guy for a year, could it be longer than a year? Like indefinite? I, I don't think so. I think they'll do a year. Uh, you have no criminal charges here. Uh, yeah. The civil lawsuits were all settled without uh, any, all. you know, admission of guilt and or uh, you know a- anything uh, public on that, except that. Uh, no, no. It is possible that people settle lawsuits just to get them out of the way. Yes, right? yes. That uh, know, they accuse the women of being gold diggers, and that was their only interest was to get money and extract money from the guy. And even though it's uh, radically unfair that Deshaun Watson is completely innocent, he, he still gave him the cash just to get it uh, out of the system. There. Yes, I, I don't know that I uh, see that as a hundred percent true. I, I yeah.
1: I don't necessarily agree with that, but that does happen. Like in life, the idea because you settle means you're guilty, that's not true. Like big businesses all the time get frivolous lawsuits brought their way, and it's just cheaper for them and easier for them to pay it off. It doesn't mean that they're admitting guilt. They just don't want to deal with it. And I I don't know if when you have almost 30 women come at you if there's you did nothing wrong, but – You know, there's a lot of different sides to this where supposedly there was somewhat of a madam situation and the woman knew and the women knew and out of nowhere they all came together, which is feasible. Both sides make a lot of sense. Uh, To me, at this point, if you're the NFL, you can't do less than a year. I mean, it's just been out there for so long. Is it
0: Blutarski, you know, a Blutarski situation, 0.0 time suspended? Is that even remotely possible in this case?
1: No, because supposedly it came out that was the issue was the NFL wanted a year, his team his team wanted six to eight games, so even his people were admitting, oh yeah, he's going to get about okay. half the season. So, yeah, I thought it, they were pushing for zero. I mean, 0. obviously they want zero, but they know at this point, I mean, he's not going to get zero. It was too big of a black eye, like literally and pun not intended, but it's been too big of a, a mark against the league. This is two or three years now we've been dealing with this. Yeah, thing. like you can't do nothing.
0: All right, so uh, we're suspecting that uh, probably, I mean, I, I don't know. it's just a blind, blind, blatant guess. Uh, but uh, you know, all of the uh, you know public rhetoric has been that uh, they're going to issue like a year suspension, and that the Browns are more than ready to uh, you know deal with that. Uh, kind of as you said before on the show, Libby structured the contract so you got paid like a marginal amount of money this year. And uh, they, they realized that uh, this was going to be like Kevin Durant having an injury, yeah. <laughs> where you're signing a guy, you're going to pay him something, but you you know that the contract really doesn't begin until the following season because the guy is not going to be available to you. Yeah. And uh, I I don't know that the Browns. I mean, with Deshaun Watson, how big of a
1: factor were the Cleveland Browns going to be? Oh no, they'd be uh, a contender. I mean, their defense is legit, and they remember they brought in Amari Cooper, and I think they yeah. brought back Landry and Joku. They resigned like. Their running back tandem is one of the best in football between Hunt and Chubb. I mean, they're legit. <laughs> like, they're the thing they were missing was a quarterback they could count on, and that's the problem with Mayfield is he takes a lot of chances and he's a gunslinger. No, with Watson they had a chance to win their division and they had a chance to contend in the AFC, hundred well, percent. Who
0: was the guy I keep forgetting his name that uh, they brought in as a coach for one year? And he looked like a bouncer oh, at a biker bar. Um, yeah, yeah, that guy was great. I mean, the, the Browns do everything they can uh, to self-sabotage themselves. I mean, uh, much like, I, I don't know, you, you can't really put our uh, Miami Marlins in that category, although they just got swept by the Mets and uh, now look like they're going to trade. Uh, one of your favorites there, uh, Louis Pablo Lopez, who got shelled yesterday in a showcase performance. Uh, I don't know if uh, he was deliberately oh, grooving Kitchens. the ball down the middle there. What do you think? Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens. I was looking yeah, it yeah, up. Yeah, Thank sure. you, I was Thank you, Julian. Freddie Kitchens. Why, why can't we remember this guy? He's a classic, I, uh, you know, lasting image of uh, buffoonery was as a uh, head coach in the National Football League. Freddie Kitchens, one of our favorites, was completely lost out there. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what possessed. I, I guess he had done a decent job. What was he an interim coach the year before briefly and uh, did all right? Or uh, somehow they, they had some the success with, yeah. uh, you know, his, his uh, sign of the ball, and, and then yes. they make him the head coach. And uh, it was kind of like as surprising as seeing Dan Campbell get another head coaching job. <laughs> really? I mean, you know, where you Okay. Team. Old school or old fool? I mean, uh, what, what what's what's the deal with this? Uh, you know, as compared to our uh, Mike McDaniel, who, who is a complete polar opposite from the uh, prototypical uh, head coach uh, in his approach. And I'll say this, Luby. I mean, uh, I kind of like this about you know, not not to get too deeply into uh, Dolphins training camp and uh, the meaning of what's going on right now when guys are just running around as they always say, cliche goes in uh, shorts and a t-shirt. Uh But that being said, this is a, a huge departure from what we've usually seen from these dolphin downtrodden teams, where uh, they're afraid to say, "Hey, you know what? I think we're going to be really good this year." I mean, well, what's wrong with believing that? Nothing, right? You may suck, but uh, <laughs> at least if you believe that you're you're going to be really good, you're in there with a half a fighting chance, no? Yes. I... And, and and they have reason to believe that they will be good. But uh, I, I I do enjoy this uh, new. Sort of uh, not just enthusiasm, but uh, almost embracing the idea that uh, we're we're kind of putting it on ourselves here. We we think we're going to be a really good team this year. And and they're out there sort of celebrating that idea early on in training camp, which uh, really is a a huge move away from uh, what we had when it seemed like Brian Flores wanted everything to be uh, super subdued because he had no personality. Uh, I, I mean, maybe he has a great personality, but he certainly didn't show any. It wasn't like he was Joe Philbin, like completely vapid, like you weren't sure if there was a person in there. But but he just seemed angry, didn't he? Yes. Brian Flores about everything.
4: Yeah.
0: Every question irritated him. I mean, out of the Bill Belichick School of Press Conferences. Yep. And uh, yet it, it sort of cast like a little bit of a downer pall, I, I thought, uh, over the whole franchise, which, uh, you know, was exhibited by the fact that they would get off to horrendous starts every year and then uh, surprisingly rally. In spite of the fact that you're thinking that this guy is sending, he's kind of like the trainer in the corner that's always screaming at the guy.
2: What the fuck are you doing? What are
0: you doing? (laughs) You're thinking the guy's in the middle of a fight. Give give the guy a break. I mean, you know, you're screaming hysterics. I don't know. I'm really going to help him uh, realize that, uh, you know what? He needs to double up on the jab. Uh, I'm not sure. Speaking of which, I I watched, uh, and you know, know, I love boxing, but uh, geez, Uh, you remember Orlando Cuellar, who was the trainer for, uh, Glenn Johnson, I think you might have uh, met him a couple of times or uh, gotten to I'm meet Glenn, him. And, I uh, don't know about He was involved uh, with a couple of guys in the corner uh, at the last uh, Hialeah fights. Okay. Orlando Cuellar. He's been around a long time. Uh, I got to know him through uh, Glenn Johnson, who we followed for a while after uh, he yeah. won the light heavyweight championship and, and even a little bit before that. But, uh, and, and a great story. And Orlando was always uh, you know, a re- real solid trainer, uh, worked with a lot of the Cuban kids. So he's working uh, with this guy, Rancis Barthelemy who is now – I can't believe this guy is 37 years old. He he sort of started his pro career right here, I I believe, on a show at the uh, Magic City Casino. Scott Savin, uh, you know, the innovator, uh, coming up with a little boxing thing down there a long time ago. And he had a couple of these Cuban defectors uh, that uh, no doubt Louis de Cubis uh, had something to do with, uh, you know, uh, getting their career started. And and Bartholomew kind of distinguished himself by winning a couple of championships, but uh, really hasn't done much of late, you know, to distinguish himself. And, um, he's in there, uh, and, and the opening bout, uh, against, uh, one of the Russell brothers, uh, there are like nine guys named Gary Russell that are in boxing and, uh, Gary Antoine Russell, right? So he gets knocked down, uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, a reasonable knockdown, but it wasn't like he didn't get hit on the chin. He kind of got hit in an awkward spot there and lost his, uh, stability and, so he gets up, and he looks to be fine, right? He walks right to the referee, and the ref says, uh, you know, are you all right? And the guy, he doesn't say anything, and because he didn't say anything, the ref stops the fight. But, like, just in the middle, I mean, there was no – i I've seen a zillion fights. I, I'm, I'm much more in favor of uh, making an error, you know, in that regard, stopping the fight too soon than stopping it too late. But this guy wasn't getting battered around. He was very much in the fight. It was only like the fifth round. Uh, some guys had it 3-2 in, in favor of Russell. While another guy had it 4-1 in favor of Russell. But the, the rounds were reasonably close. And even though, you know, it seemed like the momentum was going uh, the opposite way, that, that uh, you know, Bartholomew was going to have to you know, really rally to win this fight, it, it didn't seem like it was out of the question. And, and they stopped the fight. And choir went nuts. Orlando. Uh, so I, I, I'd like to I'm going to try and uh, you know see if we can get him on a show because uh, yeah, he was going I... crazy. But but that was one of just a few atrocities that took place that night where uh, you had uh, later on a headline fight was uh, you remember the fighter Danny Garcia? Yes, yes. Danny Garcia. Yeah, and hoping. he had the father, Angel Garcia, who's like a real asshole or seems to be. And he's yeah. always the guy that's stealing a the show there while well, Danny was kind of a humble, quiet kid. And, uh, you know, a very effective boxer. I think he had a record of like 31 and 3. won a couple of championships, different divisions. So he's making a comeback after about a year and a half out of the ring. And uh, he's fighting this guy named uh, Benavidez, who, uh, you know, had a very good record, like 21 and 1. And as kind of a wild story, I I believe his brother is David Benavidez, who's also a highly regarded uh, prospect. And uh, I want to say maybe even a former champion. But um, anyway, Garcia looks great, right? He's just beating the snot out of his guy for like twelve rounds, and it goes the distance. And then you have one judge calling this fight a draw. Now, fortunately, the other two saw it much more legitimately, even though uh, they had it even closer than it probably was. But I mean, how do you how do you have a guy like that and not take him to task if you're one of these sanctioning bodies or the New York State Athletic Commission? And sit that guy down and say, wait a minute, okay, we're going to go through all 12 rounds of this fight here. Here's your scorecard. You tell us what the hell was going on, all right? How on earth could you possibly mess with a guy's career like that and, and have this fight as a draw when everybody else had it as a lopsided Garcia win? It was kind of like the Adelaide Bird, uh, Melvino Lathan scorecard, where, you know, you're just like, what? How much money did Don King give you to come yeah. up with a score like that? <laughs> But but it hurts to see the sport like look so illegitimate with uh you know and, and on a stoppage the referee he, he clearly just made a mistake I don't know if he uh, ever admitted to it I, I think he looked at the guy and because he didn't say anything he figured he was out of it right and he was a little bit on queer street when he first got up from the knockdown but it but he got up right away. But, I mean, the fans should have been screaming. I, I, I'm amazed. If this was the Olympic auditorium in L.A. and they had a stoppage like that, they would have pelted the ring with everything that they could get their hands on. There would not have been a single piece of debris in that arena that was not sitting on the canvas there. And it would have been time, as the great Jimmy Lennon Sr. used to tell me, As soon as you hear the word split decision, it's either time to split or duck under the ring apron there. (laughs) Something bad is going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, absolutely bizarre results. As uh, the great late uh, Manuel Stewart used to say, it's boxing. Anything can happen. Now, your girl, too, Amanda Nunez, speaking of uh, combat sports, came back with a a very impressive win after she had lost her title. I mean, she – might be. I mean, uh, they they made a, you know, a big deal out of Ronda Rousey. Uh, I, I always thought that cyborg uh, chick was uh, like the best female box, I mean, MMA artist. And uh, yet uh, this Amanda Nunez who hails from Miami, I mean, she's sensational, huh? Lost uh, to this uh, woman that she had a rematch with and then just dominated her uh, in the rematch. Although uh, the girl, Pena, I believe her last name was, Gave a pretty good account of herself. Uh, I I don't know. Do you want to see uh, women bleeding all over the canvas? I mean, uh,
4: Uh,
0: what do you think, Louie? This woman had a bad cut on on her forehead. I mean, it wasn't uh, something that was going to keep her from fighting, but it was like a deep gash. I don't know if they had a headbutt or whatever, but, uh, you know, and and blood literally covered the entire canvas with these two women, uh, you know, wrestling each other for 25 minutes. It it was... (laughs) I mean, if you were looking for Corey, it was it. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but uh, to her credit, man, she hung in there at his a woman and uh, really really looked tough. But uh, congratulations there, Amanda Nunez, uh, to uh, come back and recapture title. Looked like she had uh, a new commitment to the dedication that it takes to to be great uh, at that particular sport. All right. uh, What are we doing now with the baseball trade deadline, Uh, Louis? Are we Ah. all over that? You want to do something with it? What's going to happen here? (laughs) Aaron Judge, by the craft. way, wow. I mean, you talk about a guy that gambled and so far has won. I mean, unless something tragic happens to him in the last two months of the season, he, he should lay claim to the legitimate home run record, uh, which would be, what, 62? Are, are you going to put it at 62? It, was there anybody that wasn't on the juice that hit 62 homers plus in Major League Baseball history? Anybody not on the juice? Who, who has 60 plus in homers? Uh, you know, so, obviously so Bonds, Aguirre, McGuire. Bonds. Yeah. Sammy Sosa. Oh, those are those the only three yep. that have ever gone for 62-plus? I think so. Let's see. What's the common denominator there? Sosa, steroids. <laughs> Bonds, steroids. McGuire, zit back steroids. Yep. Never forget that, seeing the uh, complexion of the skin on the back of uh, Mark McGuire when he had his shirt off in the training room, and I was wandering around the Cardinals' clubhouse that year that uh, they were in the home run chase. What was that, 1998? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm looking at and his back. It really did. It looked like a topographical map. <laughs> you're thinking, "Wow, look at that! There's a Pyrenees, Himalayas—unbelievable." I mean, you know, what what adult has? Maybe I'm being insensitive here, but what adult, a guy like in his uh, late 30s or whatever uh, McGuire was at the time, has massive zit back? No, Isn't that like a characteristic of somebody that would be much
1: younger? Yes, I mean not not to that level. Like, and not on your back. I mean, you'll get. Pimples, I guess, when you're older, but not like that. Yeah. No, that, was, that was uh, uh, bad.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, if that was an indicator, I, I guess it was. I, I, and uh, what was Major League Baseball looking at that they couldn't figure this out? Bonds' head is the size of a watermelon. Sammy Sosa, who was uh, averaging like uh, 21 homers a year, all of a sudden is hitting 60 every exactly. season. <laughs> uh, George Bush traded the guy, right? He did. Sammy Sosa, George Bush, the uh, former president. It's true. It was another one of his moves that you looked at and said, well, uh, if he traded Sammy Sosa before all of this happened, then how can you possibly let him lead the country, the greatest country in the world? Exactly. Or at least at one time. All right. Uh, many things happening on the show. Well, we're going to talk some more about uh, and uh, this should be uh, you a know, real reflection and get some uh, you know, very illustrative stuff from Leslie Visser on the uh, brilliant career of Bill Russell. Uh, Bill Russell was at the uh, uh, wedding uh, when Leslie married Dick Stockton, her first marriage. Uh, Bill Russell was there with Ren Auerbach. How about that? Yeah, isn't that crazy? I he read at your wedding. Wasn't at no. mine? No, no, no. <laughs> well, he was dead. <laughs> it wasn't at any of my weddings, Ren Auerbach. Was he in Vegas at the time? I don't even know. Two out of my uh, three weddings were in Las Vegas. but uh, So that'll be a lot of fun, uh, sharing some uh, stories with Leslie Visser about the great and uh, late Bill Russell. Uh, much is being made before we uh, tell you about Hylia Park, about this. I didn't get to see it. I didn't even know it was happening. Have you seen the stories about Ric Flair's final match?
1: No. I, I tell They throw a
0: 73-year-old. I mean, what what will you stop in terms of uh, having no dignity whatsoever as a wrestling promoter?
1: <laughs> oh, good. <laughs>
4: Ric
0: Flair, man. This poor Schmink. I mean, they throw him in a ring. I, I don't know. Did he need the money, Ric Flair? He must be cashing in autograph signings or something. Uh, you know, just uh, sell the robe. I mean, he, he could probably make cash somehow. Uh, Rick Flair uh, ha- has had like four heart surgeries. Uh, well, what else? I mean, he, he had uh, he almost died yeah, from he's a kidney been, ailment. He's been in and out of the hospital yeah. like, a lot the last few years. Uh... <laughs> a lot, uh, you know. And and, and he's seventy three years old, and they threw him in a ring, and everybody was concerned that uh, he wasn't going to get up. He, he like had to stagger when they finally. It was one of those times where, where they tagged off, and the guy staggers out of the ring, but he was really staggering yeah. out of the ring. Is uh, you know balance what was completely discombobulated, and uh, he, he looked like he was going to die. Ric Flair They had him in a tag team match. I, I don't know if anybody saw this. We, we'd love to hear a description and some details because uh, it, it sounded pretty sad. But well, I mean, what what commission is sanctioning? I oh, mean, okay. I, I, they do regulate professional wrestling. What what athletic commission? This was in uh, Tennessee, I believe. I guess that explains it, right? Who comprises the uh, State Athletic Commission in Tennessee? What would you think that was made up of mostly uh, you know yeah our uh, guy. guys there were sons of politicians and uh, daughters of politicians uh, sitting there going, eh, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to do,
1: the guy that used to call about Tannehill. that's that 's the guy that uh, oh yeah runs, yeah, <laughs> My God, I love Tanny hill
0: yeah no, I, I mean to to allow this to go on, I mean well, it was really, really tragic uh, and uh and apparently, uh, you know, a lot of people are ripping Ric Flair. But, I mean, what did you want the old gazer to do? 73 years old, nearly died a couple of years ago.
1: Why was he there?
0: Four heart surgeries. Uh, you know, he had uh, all kinds of different things. I don't think there's a body part inside of him, an organ, that's real. <laughs> Every single one. <month>. He <laughs> can't just be
1: an ambassador and, like, just be the official ref or something. Like, why does he need to actually be in a match? Like, even why? if it's... Yeah. Even if you're just, you know, sore, massively subduing it. Like, anything at his... Like, he's been in real health problems. Like, yeah, why would he? Right. Like I don't get, like, that's just weird. Like, they're. He
0: came know. in uh, pushing one of those things, uh, the portable things with the bags ripping. What is that called in the uh, hospital? Where, uh, you YVs? Know, you're, you're walking. The intravenous? The... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. IV but you have bags. the little thing that you're pushing along yourself, you know. <laughs> oh, Look, I'm walking, right? It's like Jerry Lewis time. Uh, Look at us. We're walking, right? <laughs> and you got the little thing. God. I hope not to be there. I, I, I really, yeah. I, you know, dying peacefully in your sleep sounds uh, like a very, very viable yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, desired option. Does it not? That would be the way to go. Never mind all this other stuff where you collapse while you're walking around some hospital because some doctor is driving you. Listen, you got to get up and walk. Otherwise, that's it. Yeah, good. It's like, really? I can't even stand up. What are you talking about? <laughs> all right. Now, Hylia Park, a uh, great place to go. Uh, if you're going to punch on the ponies, Hylia Park is just beautiful there with the champion simulcasting room. And, of course, the casino is always hopping, and they pay big dividends. And what I like, I mean, and I was just asked to take a survey uh, of another local casino, and I actually filled out the things because, you know, they've been okay with me uh, in terms of the rewards program, but there is nothing that even comes close that parallels what they're doing at Hialeah Park when it comes to their rewards program. And and you really need to take advantage of this. Go down there, get yourself a player's card, and when you do, it automatically entitles you to uh, all kinds of freebies, including free play and uh, discounts on uh, food and drink and uh, all kinds of great options. Uh, If they have something going on there, having a player's card is a a real advantage. And then if you're like a VIP somewhere else, a big shot like the Mustang, right, where uh, she snaps her fingers and they say, yeah, yeah, dinner's on us, uh, they will match uh, those considerations also for you. At Hylia uh, Park. Just show them the card, and the next thing you know, uh, you're like a big shot over there at Hialeah as well. So uh, a lot of advantages to the uh, rewards program. I-, I think it's the best in town uh, of any casino. That's at uh, beautiful Hylia Park. And then you can take advantage of all the great things that are happening. Uh, the casino is always hopping, all your favorite Vegas-style games, uh, great food and drink, as I said and uh and also just a good vibe in there and then the poker room is extremely uh, well run very professional right from the first day i remember being there and being uh, overwhelmingly impressed with the way that they ran the poker room i'm not even a big poker player but you can kind of tell that uh you know this thing is really going well and smoothly i was in a couple of poker tournaments there uh, celebrity uh, style stuff where uh, you know nine o'clock you go all in with two six off suits so you can get out of there and get home but uh uh, nonetheless, uh, just very pleasant experience with all the TV screens. You watch all the sporting events. Dynamite during the football season. You want to get in there play some cards on a Saturday or Sunday, watch college pro football. They really have it set up beautifully. I mean, it just did a great job there. It's really designed for the fan and for the patron. And as I said, the rewards program is really uh, unrivaled by any casino here in town and maybe anywhere in the country. So lots of reasons to embrace uh, an idea like uh, going out to Hylia Park. They open up at 9 every day. Uh, open to uh, what three in the morning on the uh, weekdays and then five in the morning on the weekends. so plenty of time to get in action at beautiful islea park all right we're coming back with more uh bill russell uh, passing away uh, of course uh, the dominant sports story leslie fisher gonna join us later on in the program and uh, share some of her stories and memories of the great late uh, bill russell uh the uh, trade deadline of major league baseball a lot of speculation it's going to be just hopping with activity
1: suppose the Otani's on the trade block. I mean, the J- Angels are in, like, the Marlins' place where they were trying to make a run, and it's been a disaster. The Otani of all I'm not guys. i sure the uh, Marlins
0: were ever trying to make a run. I think they're trying to make a run out of town. I, I don't know. They did <laughs> uh, have some crowds, I guess, with the Mets in town. And then they get annihilated. Uh, the Mets are staving off. I think the Braves swapped a doubleheader yesterday. So uh, the uh, Mets and the Braves are still uh, very close in the National League East. The Marlins, uh, I mean, this is pathetic, Luby, when you really look at it. You know, considering what's going on here, that you've had a change of regimes where we despise Laurie and Samson, thought maybe Derek Jeter was on like a five-year plan. This would have been what, about year four or five of the Jeter five-year plan, if that's what his, yes. you know, uh, or, you know uh, is stated goal mission is was? Your five. And they're 47 and 55. Now, Jeter's not here, so you can't really hold him responsible. Kim Ng, who he assigned as a general manager, I mean, are, are, she is she just uh, so subdued by the fact that uh, they're not going to you know, have any capital. $80 million payroll is a uh, chump change in Major League Baseball today. That's the Marlins' payroll, and they went out and spent some money on a couple of guys. So I don't know. It, it just seems like a, it's a tragedy every year. Very frustrating to uh, follow this team, and I would imagine the attendance will slump badly unless one of the marquee teams uh, comes to town you know, sometime uh, for the remainder of the season. Do they have any games against like the American League East this year? I don't think so. No idea. No? They're not playing the Red Sox and the Yankees, because that's the only thing that can salvage their attendance. attendance. And then uh, we know what happens in South Florida, and I don't know if it's true around the country with other cities uh, where you guys have lousy baseball teams like we do that are uh, perennial losers. But uh, with football coming in, it's only, what, five weeks away maybe? I mean, Hall uh, of Fame games this
1: season. week. It's gotten to the point where people are really excited for the preseason, so that may even bump the Marlins. <laughs>
0: They're doing a good job, these uh, Miami Dolphins, though, of uh, pumping up enthusiasm. Yes, this are. Tyreek Hill has, has been uh, an infusion of energy. Yes, uh, to try and I think wake up what what has been a franchise that uh, you know that that can that can hurt you. I mean, uh, the fact that you you're constantly uh, being uh, you know schooled to the idea that you're not very good. I mean, not great. These guys uh, seem to have uh, the kind of enthusiasm that uh, you know you would at least like to see to give themselves a chance. To uh, make something happen this year. I'm still amazed that John Kajemi is the most pessimistic of all of our guys <laughs> talking about the Miami Dolphins.
1: Kajemi. He's very realistic. And it's like, now? <laughs> I've been realistic for I don't know. Years. I mean, how,
0: how much uh, do you look at schedule? Like, if your team is good, shouldn't you be able to overcome, like, uh, what supposedly is this marquee de schedule? That they have, I I never get uh, overwhelmingly involved in that because uh, you know the other side of that is you really have no idea what these teams are going to look like later in the year.
1: I mean, Every year teams go from bad to good and good to bad, and especially in the NFL yeah. we see really drastic changes in teams from year to year, especially when injuries come into play. So sure. to me, I never like they they worry oh this the schedule the this I'm like I don't care about any of that. Like I don't know what they're going to happen. I like I have no idea when it comes to the NFL. All I know is the you, Dolphins.
0: You Go ahead. I I was going to say you could have Green Bay on the schedule, you know, in November, and Aaron Rodgers uh, tweaks a knee the week before. All of a sudden, what what looked like uh, you know a certain loss uh, looks like a piece of gravy. It looks like the early season Alabama schedule
1: for the first time in a long time. This team looks like they're really enjoying playing football. Like Flores did a good job getting the defense the last two years, the second half of the season to play well, but he totally forgot about the offense, and it just. Look, I don't need it to be college, it doesn't need to be rah-rah, but the fact that you're seeing praise on both sides from not only the players, not only the staff, but writers locally and nationally, that's something we haven't seen. The fact that highlights are coming out, like you're seeing Tua look confident in the pocket throw friggin' bombs, we haven't seen that. The fact that you're seeing receivers running open (laughs) versus an elite defense, like We haven't seen that, you know, so there's no reason that we shouldn't be excited. Like, I I think it's time for some excitement, and I I like that the players are embracing. I like that the players are embracing this swagger. The Dolphins haven't had a swagger since Zach Thomas and Jason Taylor. Marino, Marino, the the March brothers were the last time he felt a real swagger with the Miami Dolphins. Two
0: words: trick plays. I, I think that's going to be the fun. key to the season. Man, trick plays, fun. trick plays, all day long. Flea flickers, Statue Bobby of Liberty. I, I believe this. <laughs> Hook and lateral, trick plays, fake it. punts. <laughs> that's how we're going to win. I, 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 I think Let's that's. Sure. Uh, I, I'm going to call McDaniel and suggest that. Let's do it. That uh, you try and institute as many trick plays as you possibly can, because uh, that's usually what the fans are, are calling for. Are they not? Yeah, we should have run a trick play. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're coming back with more here in a moment. Uh, Leslie Visser coming up about 8.30 today, and uh, we'll talk some more about uh, Bill Russell. Uh, that really was a tragic picture of Ric Flair laying on the bottom of uh, some fat guy as he was desperately trying to uh, you know, get to the corner to tag out so he could fall out of the ring and collapse. I mean, what, what hospital did they go to to find Ric Flair to throw him uh, into the ring like that? I mean, and how, how is it possible that? People would, I mean, here I'm talking about it, and I didn't even see it. But, uh,
1: you know, so was it entertainment? People were raving about it. I kept seeing stuff on Twitter about it. I was just like, Ric Flair. Like, Rick Didn't he almost die? Like, what is going on? Not
0: Ric Flair Jr., not Ric Flair Third. Ric Flair, the actual Man. Ric Flair, they throw him in the ring. Why not dig up Bobby Valentine while you're at it? <laughs> or Haystacks Calhoun and throw him in the ring. Whose idea was this? I guess it drew a lot of attention, huh? We're talking about it. All right. I mean, if they could make money uh, selling Screech, uh, doing celebrity boxing when he was alive, mm-hmm. right? Remember that? With the gloves? The gloves were the size of... Uh,
1: Stupid-ass boxing, yes. Yeah, yeah, the My <laughs>
0: Pillow guy, I mean, uh, was making the boxing gloves. All right, uh, we're coming back with more in a moment here on the Default Show. to peel yourself off Mount Monday. uh having a good time. Uh, Shohei Otani on the trading block. Wow, where does he end up? I mean... I don't know. What, what happens there? The guy, Castillo from the Reds, uh, went to the Seattle Mariners trying to make a move. The yeah. Mariners? Yep. Yep, yep. Trying to make a move, although they lost that Rodriguez guy got hit with a pitch and uh, he's going to be out for uh, a little while. So, and and what can you say about what Aaron Judge is doing? My God, Yankees uh, lost a game yesterday to Kansas City Royals, uh, coughing up a lead uh, in the ninth inning. Right? Uh, did they have their closer in there and he gave up a home run? Uh, and, and then Judge though has hit like home runs in eleven of the last twelve games. Some ridiculous pace he's on and has already 42 and I think is light years ahead of anybody else in Major League Baseball in an in, in era where, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of home runs being hit because that's all anybody cares about. Home runs, strikeouts. Home runs, strikeouts. That's all you get in Major League Baseball. That's uh, unfortunate. All right, uh, coming back with more uh, in a moment. Did you see this kid? Uh, who who's he playing for? Was it the Giants? Uh, there's a guy that came up and he made his major league debut, hit a home run in his first at bat, and then ended up going like three for four. And, uh, he's the first guy ever in his major league debut, uh, since like 1938 to get, uh, three hits in uh, in his first game and also knocking three runs since 1938 Louie. Jesus. That's accomplishing something. Forgot his name though. It was like women or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was pretty uh, spectacular performance. All right, uh, coming back with more in a moment here on the Defoe Show. Peel yourself off the mat money. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's always a pleasure. 12 o'clock today, Mike Mayo, the gambling gourmet. And he was gambling his brains out over the weekend. He was much more gambling than he was gourmet over the weekend, although I'm sure he ate a lot also because he had various pictures of food. But uh, he'll be coming your way on South Florida Live. Uh, Mike Mayo with us at 12 o'clock today with Mike Mayo's Lunchbox. So uh, you can catch that. And uh, that thing's really catching on with that Let's Eat South Florida group, huh? They're tuning in uh, like gangbusters here. I mean, uh, churning up big numbers there on that show. So uh, that, that's also very encouraging for us as well. So uh, we'll be back with more in a moment. Now that time. it's 748.
5: Hey, folks, Tony Segretto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously, friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, (laughs) no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight?
2: From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at Mile Marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at Mile Marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066.
0: Robert Klein, a pleasure. Huge fans and been bombarded with uh, messages and texts attesting to your brilliance and, and how much they uh, have enjoyed your work over the years and still outstanding. Thanks so much. I don't know if you have one second real quick. Yeah. The Bronx Olympics yeah. would look like what? I called a friend of mine, and I asked him if he was watching the fencing, and he said uh, he, he thought that involved moving stolen merchandise. But <laughs> at The Bronx Olympics, so what would be the number one event?
5: The number one event would be uh, the shout. Who could shout? Joe. Hey,
1: yo. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to get your morning started is with DeFo, joined by Luby, right here on The DeFo Show.
0: Welcome back to the show on a uh, Monday, Peeling Yourself Off the Mount Monday, here on The DeFo Show with Jeff DeForest, uh, Michael Luby, Lubitz. Uh, our good friend Eric says, uh, Stay out of the politics, man. That's not I our I on
1: what politics we talked about. <laughs> yeah. When, when do we talk about, again, education or health care or taxes? Like, just because you vote for someone and then you're embarrassed about that vote. Like, that's not our pro- – I, I, the guy held a golf tournament and he looked like a jackass. <laughs> like, if Biden did the, – there's a reason Biden doesn't do that. Like, if Biden did it, literally we would make fun of him. You call him Sleepy Joe Biden, that's literally your nickname for him. <laughs> like, I, I hate that. Uh, I don't no, Ryan, don't. He, he's on a golf he, course. He, he's, he's board, you know, I mean, not even bordering <laughs> like, on senility. I mean, he's yeah, senility. he's senile. Yes, he is. Yeah. I, I, I hope he, I said it last week, I hope neither runs again. Like, I want some young blood in that office in in D.C. But this idea. Let's, let's
0: energize uh, the United States of America. I just yeah. hate that. Well, don't talk
1: about, no, like, what does nice. that mean? Like,
0: but, like, but you have to have someone you respect. I mean, it's hard to respect a guy that goes out there and uh, constantly is making a spectacle of himself. Like, uh, you know, and, and to make a statement like that, I mean, how embarrassing for a former American president. Are you kidding me? To say, while these 9-11 uh, people are, are uh, a couple of miles away. You know, saying, "Hey, how could you do this?" And uh, you know, to be so ignorant as to say, "Well, we don't really know what happened there." Uh, come on, Danny. That was, a, you
4: know, <laughs> <couldn't think> like- <laughs> all of a sudden, uh, you know, this, this was a guy.
0: I mean, he he couldn't have been any more adamant about how the Saudis were the enemy of the people here, and uh, to make America great again, we were going to have to uh, do something about these despicable human beings. And um, there you go. A couple of wee uh, years later, and uh, one election loss, and. All of a sudden, uh, he's teeing it up yeah, with the I love sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> hey, nice shot there, Sheik. Okay. Anything serious to, that you want to discuss? No, no, no. Just talking a little golf <laughs> okay. here. it doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: all
0: right. Uh. Well, wow. All right. So you have the the football on the horizon here, Real Luby, and uh, I am intrigued by all of this. Uh, they're making a big deal. I saw a thousand clips of this same pass that Tua threw to uh, your man Tyreek Hill. 60 yards in the air. Now, as I could perceive, I mean, from the video, there was nobody guarding Tyreek Hill when he hoisted this pass. There was coverage.
1: Yes, there was. He was in tight coverage, and he overthrew him, I think on purpose, and Hill ran under it and separated from tight coverage to be catch the ball in stride. Yeah, there was coverage. That one pass in <laughs>
0: practice uh, has motivated people to the uh, oh, yeah. idea and the concept that the Dolphins are indeed Super Bowl material. Well, that, mean... that is one of the great things <laughs> about training camp and training camp videos, training camp results, training camp coverage, training camp analysis, is that, uh, you know, it's uh, all, all to extremes, oh, much yeah. like uh, political opinions are these days. Uh, complete extremes. Either the team is going nowhere because a guy dropped a pass in practice, or in this case, They are showing that like it was uh, Marino to Duper. I mean, uh, (laughs) unbelievable. Uh, Like it was Joe Willie and uh, Don Maynard in the 1968 AFC Championship game. Uh, 69, I guess it was. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was... You know, at one play in, in in a practice session it appeared to me that there was no defense. I, I didn't realize was yeah, there was actually defender defenders there. that he shook off. Yeah, there was a defender there. Um, I, I do like, uh, you know, a couple of the concepts, though, that they have coming out of the uh, Dolphins training camp, uh, which, uh, you know, is much more of a, a modern mode of thinking and uh, modus operandi. And uh, that is uh, shorter practices. Uh, try and run what you're doing at full speed. This is uh, Mike McDaniel uh, philosophy's. Uh, that uh, he, he is displaying here with, with the way that he's running the team so far. And, uh, you know, kind of practice like you're going to play. Yes. And, and, and and then don't overdo it. And no reason to just be hanging out there. Now, now the other thing that I've noticed, and I, I don't know if they're just eliminating all of the bad passes that are being thrown by Tua Tango Bailoa you know, with a local news coverage of the team or whatever you're seeing on ESPN, but uh, th- this guy throws a dart. Mean, he really God. does.
1: Supposedly. Like a... Perfect spiral. He threw in a waddle that was like thirty yards in the air, in stride. Um, look, it's practice. I that's the funny thing, is i am it's the same thing. Um, when it comes to the president gas, I don't give him credit credit when it goes down. I don't give him blame when it goes up. I with this yeah. it's practice. Like I expect it's only to be good. <laughs> you're not getting touched. So if it's bad, that's why they blow up the bad. But again, things happen when you're trying new concepts, so maybe a quarterback and a receiver are off. Like, Zach Wilson supposedly was horrendous the other day, but I'm not going to say, well, you need to get rid of him. He looked horrendous oh, yeah. in that camp. Like, what do you – like, they're trying new things. You're going to have mistakes, and if he looks great, it doesn't mean he's going to win the MVP. You know, <laughs> like, it's
0: – Johnson went day-to-day. Yeah, I it's mean, somewhere uh, in there. So uh, like, you're saying that Wilson was uh, – Horrible, and yet the article that I uh, uh, kind of glanced at it today in the New York Post was that uh, Wilson uh, is already happy that he's living up to the high standards he holds himself
1: That's to. good. It was like that, Thursday uh, that they were going well. slamming him, so maybe Friday had a great day. I, I don't know. I don't care yeah. about any of it. I, I just think it's interesting, the ebbs and flows. Like You're right. Like It's either that one pass we saw where Hill had to turn around and catch it like a punt, so Tua needed to be kicked off the team, and now this one pass, it was thrown so far in the air that it actually overthrew Hill and now he's the greatest quarterback. Like, to me, it's somewhere in the middle. And I think that's what we'll see. You know, like, I think he's a good quarterback and I think he'll show strides. And I think McDaniel, look, what I like about McDaniel is that he, as much as he wants to be happy go lucky, fun guy, he yeah. doesn't shy away from any questions. Like, he's not Flores. Like, he, he answers everything with a well thought out, specific answer, which is the thing people in our business have been yearning for. <laughs> like, a guy that actually gives a crap enough to respond and wants to get, he wants to, it's like Shula in a sense, where Shula wasn't mad, what was it, what Tony told us, like, when news came out, Shula wasn't scared of the news, he just wanted to know. Tell me, yeah. and I'll confront it. Like, McDaniel wants to get out in front of things. It was like Flores was hiding under a rock a lot of the time, and he just wanted to, like, not know. He just wanted to keep Always going, football. Angry.
0: Always seemed angry. Uh, you know, uh, the press, uh, like, uh, seemed like a public nuisance to him. And, you know, uh, uh, look, uh, as we've said many, many times, uh, w- w- what are the what are the people that are writing about uh, the Miami Dolphins or any team for that matter? Uh, what, what are they doing? Uh, they're giving you free uh, and just yeah, endless obviously. reams uh, and uh, hours of promotion. Yep. And so, uh, you know, if you're trying to sell tickets, uh, it might be good to, uh, you know, at least have some uh, open avenues of communication with these guys. Uh, no, McDaniel hails himself uh, very well uh, with the press. Low key. But it uh, seems to be uh, giving you uh, like an honest opinion, even if it's a little bit existential, and you're thinking, what did he say? So <laughs> is like, am I going to start or not? <laughs> right? He's talking about all kinds of bizarre philosophical principles. Uh, no, I mean, uh, he doesn't overdo that aspect nah, of it. But nah. uh, Flores always seemed to be edgy and angry. Uh, Joe Philbin had nothing to say, Lost. even though he was very Lost. open and, uh, you know, seemingly honest. But uh, but when he uh, did finally tell you what he was really thinking, you thought, my God, how is this guy the head coach of the time <laughs> Dolphins?
1: <laughs> yeah, That's the thing. Like Flores, you never you thought he could be the leader of men and you thought he could be a head yeah. coach. I just wondered if it would work in this era and how long it would work in this era. Philbin. I-,
0: I wasn't sure about Flores ever. Uh, the remarkable thing was that his teams won at the end of the season yeah, yeah. after being horrible at the beginning. So. You would think that that was some kind of testament to the idea that the guy, you know, was a coach that somehow was delivering a, a good message. Because, you know, when you're one in seven, the odds that you're going to win eight of your last nine games. Oh, no. What were the chances of that? No matter how fluky they were, how close they were, you know, how funky they were. It wasn't like the Dolphins, like, blew you away and you said, wow, that's a really good team. But. They won eight of their last nine games after, I mean, you talk about peeling yourself off the mat. When you're one and seven, you sort of develop that sparring partner mentality. Yes. That no matter what you do, you're going to, you know, as we talk about all the time in some of these individual sports like tennis, where it's remarkable how many times uh, that uh, the upstart has a chance to knock off one of the real mainstay type of championship players. Yeah. And uh, they're serving for the match and they lose that game. It's the only service game they lose. Yeah. Right. And you're thinking, how is this possible that the guy, you know, in, in that moment, but it's a little bit of, uh, you know, that that's why they're not number one and, and why, uh, you know, a guy like Djokovic can uh, hang in there against anybody. And no matter what's happening, you know, finds a way to uh, scratch out a victory, but, uh, uh there's a lot to be said though. I mean uh, if if you're the Miami Dolphins and look that that year that they were uh, just getting rid of guys, any guy who made a decent play was was gone yes. by that <laughs> afternoon. Yes. Like no. Maybe sometimes by halftime. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and they literally you know were holding tryouts in, in the parking lot there. There was Chris Greer going, "Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, let's see you run a ball now."
1: <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so Flores definitely deserved. He they were
0: signing guys that were doing those little things they have outside the stadium, you know, where they have those stupid activities oh, where the, you throw a football in the parking and lot, try to you know throw it through like a you know little the NFL you know, experience circle there. Yeah, yeah, NFL experience. Yeah, they were signing guys out of that, and the guy still won. Like uh, you know. Four or five games at the end of this. sport. What did he win? Like
1: five of the last uh, nine at the yeah. end. when went five and four. That first year, yeah, and it was it? And they were oh trying God. to. Lose. They were, they were pissed, literally. Like we found out, they were pissed <laughs> that he was. Winning.
0: I, I I couldn't figure out though. I mean, uh, look, uh, you usually see uh, you know any team. You've been watching sports your whole life. If uh, you're a fan of this show, and uh, you know you're you're watching sports talk, uh, you know shows in general, and uh, involved in that. Um, You know, you, you can usually, you know, get a feel for what what a coach's style is. No, I mean, after uh, at least a, a reasonable period of time, you you could sort of pinpoint, OK, this guy likes to do this in certain spots or this is his style. He's aggressive. Um, I couldn't figure out what Flores style was. Not on offense. Uh, could you? Not on offense. That was my offense, that was yeah, impossible.
1: I never I, I, at the end of the year, people were high on him. They had gone nine and eight and he wasn't fired yet. And I was like, I don't know what to do with him because their offense doesn't get better. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah. And he keeps messing around with coordinators. Like I, I just never understood it. But at least he presented himself like a coach. Philbin, <laughs> Philbin was just like, what? Like he would literally praise every game. He would praise the opponent, whether the Dolphins yeah. won or lost. He'd be like, "Well, that was a good team we just played, dude. You won like what? They're, they've won four games. What are you talking about, Joe? <laughs> like what is going on? Like."
0: Poor smoking Uh It was. I, I don't think he was misunderstood. He, he really was a, a very right. decent human being. I, I, I was at the uh, press conference when he was being introduced. I, I guess it was sort of like uh, an after. You know, they had the press conference and then they had like a little party. And I remember doing a show from there. Uh, oh, and- we went home still, yeah. Yeah, this might have been prior to uh, – uh, were, we, were we working together? Yeah, I think we yes, were. Yes, yes, we were, we were the at home. Where, we had
1: the Dolphins. Remember, that's when we would still go yeah. and do these Focacca right. broadcasts and like 8 Yeah, events that
0: yeah, were meaningless to help promote the team. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Philbin didn't even come on the show. I mean, I, I was set up there at yep. uh, some uh, banquet that they had, a yeah. uh, dinner that they had at the stadium uh, as they were introducing Joe Philbin. And I, I remember seeing a guy, and, and I'm looking, and uh, – Don Shula had this line about Jim Mad Dog Manich, but for other reasons, uh, where uh, if you asked uh, Don Shula about uh, when he first saw Jim Mad Dog Manich, and Manage uh, would verify this, uh, you know, Manage shows up uh, in a uh, Volkswagen bus, you know, with, uh, you know, flowers painted on it and hair down to his shoulders, which was uh, pretty uncommon for guys on an NFL squad at the time. I mean, you didn't see a lot of that. Maybe, uh, you know, Joe Willie uh, was a forerunner for that. But, uh, you know, people were shocked. Like, what's this guy with a beetle haircut doing out there on a football field? I mean, look, his hair is coming out the back of his helmet. Uh, and uh, Shula looks at Mandich and uh, turns to uh, a coach that, that that's uh, beside him and says, that's our number one pick. <laughs> and and that's when I felt when I, when I saw Philbin walking through the room there. I was like. That's our head coach.
1: (laughs) Such a nice guy. Assistant?
0: Yeah, okay, you know, nice guy, assistant, one of those guys you could go to and maybe get some information about the team, right? Hey, Joe, are we really going to run the ball uh, 60% of the time this year? Um, Yeah, but look for that, Defoe. Nice enough guy, though, man. I'll never forget that one. I thought he was going to chew us out. After uh, he suggested to us, uh, so I hear you have a nickname for me. We're like, oh,
4: <laughs> shit, I felt like Jim Rome
0: oh, sitting man. at a desk with Jim Everett, right? Like, I thought he literally was going to hit me over the head with a chair, speaking of Ric Flair. And it turned out he dug it, man, he being called Smoking Joe Frazier. I mean, Smoking Joe Filmer. We had songs about him, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> uh, and uh, still, I'll never get over it. I mean, it was the uh, uh, talk about training camp experiences. I, I don't know that I've ever had anything like that. Where the entire defensive coaching staff yep. does an impression of the defo show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Including a guy who does you. Yeah, that was which great. Which was, uh, that was our early days. Yeah, I don't know. That was our early days, that, too. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that was pretty good. Uh, Gase uh,
1: yeah. was one that we were sort of fooled on because the people from Denver liked him, but yeah. he hurt quick. On In his tenure, you could tell he was sort of weird. Like, I don't know. They, this guy's just different. There's something about McDaniel. Maybe we just longing to have a coach that we like because it's been such a long list of weirdos. <laughs> <The> either
0: <laughs> or or he's one of the great con men of all time. I don't know. I don't know. Like, one of those guys that uh, really has no idea what he's doing on the job and uh, has convinced people that he knows what he's doing. Which, uh, you know, and, and look, the Dolphins were all in, supposedly. I mean, the story goes, and uh, people... Uh, seemed to have uh, some kind of verification of this, that uh, they were all in, ready to give Sean Payton like $20 million to coach the team for like four years or whatever it was. Not even, uh, what was it? It was going to be like $20 million a season or something, $100 million they were going to give this guy. And uh, wanted to have Tom Brady uh, as their quarterback, an aging Tom Brady. Talk about Ric Flair. What, what if Brady turns into Ric Flair in that match? This year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is that even remotely possible? Mike Luby Lubitz? to Tom Brady, after we've been predicting this for the last 10 years, starts <laughs> to show signs <laughs> that he's a completely shot fighter and ends he up is. signing with the live tour himself just so he can cash a paycheck every week. What do you think?
1: <laughs> I don't see the live tour thing. I, I, look, I've been waiting for it for a long time. I, I feel like this is the year. And him losing his center, which will probably be for most of the season, can't be good for them. Like Offensive line is always the most important thing. For any quarterback, especially Brady, Brady doesn't want any contact. He doesn't try to run. He doesn't try to sit back there. He gets rid of it quickly or he goes down. Without their center, who's a Pro Bowl center, I think that should affect their line. I mean, they have every skill position guy under the sun, but if you can't block for him, then yeah. I'm expecting this year to see him finally show his age, but we've said that for, like you just said, a decade. Yeah,
0: well, we've been saying that for ten years here, and uh, writing this guy off, and uh, you know, he's still uh, statistically last year, uh, he he was excellent. And you know, as you said, it'll be uh, obviously the key to uh, any quarterback's uh, demise. What would be excessive pressure, but Brady is especially affected by uh, pressure. If you can get uh, you know any kind of uh, penetration into the passing game Uh, up front by the uh, defensive line, uh, you got a pretty good chance to beat. Tom Brady. Who, who's going to be good this year, though, Louis? What are you looking at? I mean, uh, Green Bay doesn't have the Saints, uh, their, their top receiver. I think the Saints uh, are going to the be. The Raiders uh, were knocking on the door last year. They they pick up Adams, uh, so you know that has to be a plus. Well, I think
1: they got. Did they? They signed what Chandler Jones? The Raiders. The Raiders yeah, I mean, signed, yeah, they, they, they they went, went and yeah, uh, they all went in in that division.
0: They got they, they banished Mike Mayock to uh, football purgatory. Where is Mike Mayock? Is he going to surface as an announcer on Amazon? I haven't seen him anywhere. Cash in on some of this uh, big money that's out there. There has to be a hole somewhere in the college football coverage with uh, your man Herbstreet uh, now going to be on the National Football League.
1: He's doing both. Uh, Herb Street's still going to do the yep. big game for ESPN on Saturdays. I, look, I think the Saints are going to be interesting. Like, you get Michael Thomas back. They brought in the kid Alave out of Ohio State who's ridiculous. They'll get Kamara back. And Jameis was good until he got hurt. And he it, it looks fully healthy and motivated. That team, I mean, there's no Peyton, but it feels like they have sort of a system there that they're just going to keep going with. I think the Saints are going to... And, and no one's counting on them. And their defense was legit. like no And no one's expecting anything from them because they forgot about them. Because after Jameis, they were a disaster. I think the Saints are going to be really good. And I think people are going to sort of go, oh, yeah, the Saints. Like, I think that's... A team that's going to be interesting. I think the Bucks are getting overrated. People think the Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know. I mean, we see in year three or four of these things, it starts to spin out.
0: I'm going to bet against that. I'm going to bet against the Bucks winning the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I just don't see it. I think you're going false to false favorite if
0: they are the yeah. favorites. I don't think they are the favorites. So uh, now, now the Rams' think... chances of repeating are we overlooking the obvious? Oh my here? god, the I didn't Rams realize the Rams got Allen
1: Robinson. Like the Rams are going to be ridiculous. Like the Rams should be the favorite out of the NFC. And I. I... They bring Donald back. Everyone's got paid. Everyone's happy. They get Cam Akers back, who was huge for them until he got hurt. Like, the Rams are going to be – and now Stafford, has, you know, is considered a top quarterback suddenly, even though he's been the same guy his whole career. So, like, yeah, the Rams are going to be really good. And the Niners. If Trey Lance is really what the Niners think he is, the Niners are loaded. Like, and now Debo Samuel got his deal. Oh, what
0: do you think? I mean, is he what they think he is? Uh, I, I don't know that I saw those signs. Did you? No, not
1: at all. We, but we barely saw Trey Lance. Like, I, I think... And
0: if, if they were in place, uh, why, would, why wouldn't they have played him over an injured Garoppolo?
1: Because uh, he was a guy that was super raw. So you wanted to get, at least give him one year to learn. And I give them credit for that. They they they're really excited about him. like Jimmy G's on their roster and they've already said yeah Lance is our guy. No. <laughs> like they're not even hiding It's his it. team. I mean
0: uh, Shanahan's statement, which uh... so. Oh, but you know everybody knows that they were trying to uh, ditch Garoppolo, and, and it's interesting. Uh, there have to be teams that would be, you know, at least uh, perceived to be better off by having uh, Garoppolo, who did have shoulder surgery, and by the way was deemed to be successful. Luby. you'll find that surprising.
1: There you go.
0: When, when is that going to happen, man? Is it going to happen in my lifetime where, where, you know, a doctor gets up after, you know, a, a surgery on a big-time, big-name athlete and, and says, oh, my God, man, this guy will never play again, man. We butchered this. This was the worst surgical procedure that you've ever seen. I, I don't even know how I have a medical license after doing this. And uh, there's a likelihood uh, he will uh, not even be able to pick up a football again, much less throw it. You don't hear that very often, do you? <laughs> no. It's always successful shoulder surgery. And then a guy comes back and, uh, you know, he he looks, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, ineffective as he could possibly be for for the, uh, you know, uh, outset, from the outset, and and ultimately retires. Uh, Always successful (laughs) shoulder surgery. Uh, Anyway, I mean, with with a repaired shoulder, if that is indeed the case, uh, you know, and he was playing with whatever injury he had that required the surgery, Garoppolo, and he wasn't horrendous, but uh, I, I don't know that he was on top of his game. Um uh, and and he's also a guy that uh, you know is he not eligible to get better uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or have we seen the best of him? I think so we far? have. I mean, I think he's what he hasn't played 20, 70, that many 30s. games, really. <laughs> I mean, uh, by comparison to like you know some of the veteran quarterbacks that you would judge to be at the top of the game. So uh, I I don't know does he deserve uh, a, a little more uh, time before you pass final judgment on whether or not you know he's legit? Uh, I you know I I kind of hope the guy uh, lands somewhere and uh, and does well. I, I really do. I don't mean Seems like uh, outside of the fact that I don't believe that he eats Subway sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> with Steph Curry and Serena.
1: <laughs> well, who's Subway kidding with that, right? I mean, I like the on. Belichick. That was my favorite. It's like, Belichick, Belichick. probably does actually Subway, but I still would never you expect You don't think to Belichick be is going to some sandwich <laughs> shop, uh, you know,
0: well, in, in Boston somewhere that, exactly. that you know, p- puts out something, you know, absolutely uh, scrumptious. Uh, but he instead is going to Subway with all the options that he has there in Beantown, uh, where he could send for anything, right? He could tell Bobby Kraft to go get him lunch anyway, couldn't <laughs> he? Oh, for sure. All right. Bob shows up in the blue shirt with the white collar. Hey, look at that. It's Bobby Kraft <laughs> here at Subway. Subway.
1: <laughs> in, in person. <laughs>
0: Serena, I could believe, was, uh, you know, spending a lot of time at uh, oh, Subway, Jesus. but... Uh... <laughs> Would you like to try on a vegetable sandwich? No, I mean, uh, is she going to come back in better shape here? She's going to play pretty soon. I don't think so. And uh, playing one of the prelims for the uh, U.S. Open, which is uh, right around the corner here. Uh, one, one of the, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Should that be on my bucket list? Everybody says yes. It'll be uh, to go to uh, at least one one night of the U.S. Open in uh, tennis. I always to about a Wimbledon. Night.
1: I never cared about the U.S. Open. I always Wimbledon always seemed like... You know, one of those. It's less of a schlepto to go to New York. I mean, yes, that's true. Let's be honest
0: about it. Probably far less costly, also. Although with this merger, JetBlue and Spirit Airlines—is that it? Do we say goodbye to the nine-dollar flight? Yeah, I don't know
1: what they're doing with that. Like, are they? I I haven't heard. Are they getting rid of Spirit? Are they just going to profit off Spirit? Like, I don't. I don't know.
0: No, I think Spirit will still exist as Spirit Airlines, but it'll be uh, you know in uh, tandem there with then maybe run by JetBlue, which uh, always seemed like a very efficient airline to me. I like JetBlue by comparison. You know, far more reliable than Spirit was. Oh, good. Although my experiences with Spirit outside of the fact that... Uh, what is it? I mean, uh, when they sit you down, if it, like you got arrested and they sit you down in one of those metal chairs, they're more comfortable than... Uh,
1: I don't think their chairs you know, go the, back. I know the professor yeah. has his theories where you should never put a chair back. I think that's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, as long as you don't have someone who's six five behind you, like, why wouldn't you put your chair back? But... I don't think there's go-back. Like, the last two times I've been on a spirit flight, no. I don't think they even go recline. I think they just No, in literally... fact,
0: they, they force you to hunch over. <laughs> yeah. They only go forward to seats uh, in the spirit.
1: So I don't know. Spirit, I've, I've never had major issues with it, but it's just not comfortable, like, at all. I'm i
0: still want to dispute that weigh-in, man. When this woman uh, weighed that bag and it was five pounds over the limit uh, for an extra 50 right there. What do you want to do about it, sir? Uh, next! You know, I mean, while you're deciding, next! Yeah, exactly. You're like, okay, we better just fork over to 50. I mean, I talk about a ski mask and a gun right there at the counter. And then the bag never weighed more than 45 pounds <laughs> never after <again>. that. Never <laughs> We were in Europe. We were picking stuff up. I mean, uh, all over the planet there. And uh, somehow this woman had us weighing in, you know, at, at the heavyweight limit. Unbelievable. Holy Don King. I mean, what, what was that all about? That, that That's just, uh, you know, are, are they encouraging you, management, like all of their employees, to make sure you whack everybody for every penny? Is that is that the way that works? Yeah, for sure. You, you always, you know, you feel like, uh, you know, they're just like, it's ridiculous, right? Like, if you open up the overhead bin to even look to see if there's space there, that's 10 bucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I saw you. You opened it.
0: I right, uh, and, and that thing that that measures the size of the bag there—that's legal and not, you know, in terms of uh, within the parameters, the guidelines of what they consider to be a carry-on. Uh, you could not, you could not fit your wallet in there. <laughs> <laughs> so who are they kidding with that? Oh yeah, that, that's a joke. Unbelievable. All right, uh, coming up with more. Uh, Leslie Visser going to join us uh, shortly here on the program. That, that should be a lot of fun, uh, and uh, we'll get her. Uh, thoughts on, on uh, Bill Russell, his, his career, and uh, obviously uh, she was very close to Bill Russell throughout uh, her brilliant uh, career, which uh, began in Boston. And I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, look, maybe there are detractors of Bill Russell somewhere, but I, I don't see how there could be after watching these tributes uh, that, that took place yesterday. I mean, and you're saying to yourself, wow, I mean, this guy, for, for everything that he went through to, to win 11 out of 13 years that you're in the league, there were other good players around at the time, Luby. It's not like uh, Bill Russell and uh, the Celtics had a great team, obviously, or they wouldn't have been able to accomplish this, but uh, did they necessarily have all of the best players in basketball on that team?
1: No. I don't know. I know they, they definitely were loaded. You had to have as a six-man. I mean, <laughs> they, 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 Red was allowed to do a lot of things that a lot of people weren't allowed to do. Uh, and I, I'm like, when you look at what Larry Bird was well known and they did some weird thing with yeah. how they, well, the early
0: bird rule, I mean, uh, it's a weird thing. Like, perhaps some favoritism. Yeah. Red
1: got away with a lot of stuff. I mean, that's just sort of documented at this point. Red, Red I, would
0: pull off these trades that, that were uh, just uh, amazing. And you would ask yourself if the league just wasn't, uh, you know, sending certain players, uh, you know, the Celtics way. But, um, no, no, I mean, there were less teams in the league. I mean, this is true of I'm hockey sure, yeah, also. Teams, yeah. You used to see, like, the fourth line come over the wall there, and there were guys that were going to the Hall of Fame. But when they only had six teams in a league, well, what did they have back then? Did they have 16 teams in the NBA? So uh, your, your talent pool was not nearly as thinned out, and there was more talent on every team. It was uh, better distributed, although the Celtics obviously were superior. But, I mean, it wasn't like there was no competition. Uh, for the Boston Celtics to win 11 of 13. Uh, that's, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. All right, Leslie Fisher coming up in uh, just a few moments here on the program. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Lubitz. Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Wow, month of August coming up. Long, hot, Schwitzing days here in uh, Brown and Dade County. And uh, if you're in Palm Beach. And then, of course, if you're traveling from uh, outside the state of Florida and you're looking for a place to go and have a, just an unbelievably brilliant vacation spot, It's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, mile marker 104, the Overseas Highway. That's in Key Largo. Doesn't that sound good? A little staycation here, uh, Luby. Never mind Spirit Airlines and being crammed into a seat like uh, you were being uh, herded with a flock of sheep. You're better off going down to the Big Chill there where you can uh, spread your wings a little bit. and Have a great time. Uh, Have some great cocktails, uh, tremendous food and drink. We often uh, say that we have to, uh, and we will, we'll schlep the uh, gambling Gourmet Mike Mayo down there for one of those Italian fisherman pizzas. And uh, all of the great delicacies that you can get. Uh, A lot of unique stuff at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. And uh, if you're into more conventional things, I mean, uh, Mahi Mahi and uh, all of the fish uh, dishes, the seafood dishes uh, right out of the ocean there. You have the beautiful view on the bay side, music going all day long. Live bands. I mean, they, they wheeled it in. I, I thought Jimmy Johnson was like Bill Graham there. It was like going to the Fillmore East or one band after another. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Jimi Hendrix up next. Uh, incredible. And, and then uh, Dominic and Jimmy uh, John's brother, is brilliant uh, in the kitchen there. And uh, his lovely wife, Amanda, wow, they do a tremendous job. Service is top-notch. People are always on top of their game there. As you would imagine, with the coach involved, and uh, we're hoping to get down there pretty soon and have Jimmy on the show. So uh, looking very much forward to that. You'll love it any time uh, if you're just uh, going down to the Keys, any destination. Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, Mile Marker 104, the Overseas Highway in Key Largo. All right, stick around. Uh, we'll talk some more and uh, have our own uh, tribute here to uh, Bill Russell and his uh, passing. And uh, no, I did not have him in the Deadpool. I can't believe how many people ask that if really? I had <laughs> that <in> the Deadpool. <laughs> The first text that came in was from Mayo. It just said, did you have him? I said, uh, have what? Uh, oh, no. I'm thinking, uh, I don't even know who I have in uh, the Deadpool at this point. <laughs> it was it, though. Uh, somebody took ours down with James Conn. Oh, really? So uh, so that was that. So, yeah, re- redraw names. I-, I think I had Rosalind Carter in the uh, Deadpool. Uh, okay. Not rooting for her death. I, I mean, uh, look, it's, it's not what it appears to be in terms of uh, evil, Luby. <laughs> You think it's even a Greek thought this yes. was a sick thing, and he he's a sick bastard. He's in bet his own on right. some
1: really crazy shit. He used to bet on elevators in Vegas, and yeah. even, and even he was like, "Yeah, you can't do that."
0: <laughs> it's very popular movie, much more popular than you might imagine.
1: Yeah, I'm sure, and, and you know, a better bet I think than
0: uh, going into like the Mega Millions or the uh, Powerball.
1: Oh, and somebody saw someone hit that 1.2 billion. One person hit. Imagine it, in it. Illinois. at some gas
0: station in like Indiana or wherever. Or Indiana, I mean, yeah. holy Larry Bird! What the hell's that's annoying. Going on. I mean, but you had to take a shot at it. It was worth the 20 bucks that I threw to the wind. Actually, it turned out to be 40 because I got in on the Tuesday drawing. And it was like 800 million.
4: Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, you know you have no chance, right? I mean, 0.0. 0. But what if it was your lucky day? Well, me... That's the thing.
1: If you don't play.
0: I already have my speech prepared. <laughs> my what... acceptance speech. <laughs> Although you. I don't want anybody to know. I wouldn't want a soul to know that I had won this. Well, thing. that's no. the whole
1: thing. Is Shirley and I were watching different stuff about how you're supposed to win it. Like, there's a whole uh, format of if you're smart when you win, what you do. Like, you don't yeah. tell anyone. You get a trust. You get an attorney. You do all these things. and Because I guess you in Florida, for three months, they don't release the name, but eventually they will release the name. So you have to act really fast to cover your ass so that whatever name they release cannot be yours. If you have a trust and you have an attorney, then they can redirect the name and make it not you. Like, you don't tell anyone <laughs> like, because they, they come yeah. hounding and that's how that people can try and rob you like that would be my fear well, well, not...
0: what do you do you go get a safe deposit box the bank you do a whole thing yes there's like a whole
1: like if you look up online a lottery there's like a strategy to winning yeah. the, the right way so you don't get totally screwed or I, i'm always
0: curious about these guys and uh, you see a lot of this also where uh, guys hit the lottery for like 20 million and then they're broke they're, yes like, living on the streets now, now how do you go through that much capital i you know i would imagine uh, you know, you, you might have like a tank black situation where
1: yeah, someone's making these investments,
0: and uh, you know, for you. And, uh, you know, you're just getting fleeced while the guy's out there on a yacht. Yep. In San Tropez with, with babes and bikinis and uh, your money's going up in smoke. But uh, I would think you, you, you should be able to get out, you know, in one piece with $20 though. No? I don't know. Unless, as I said, unless you fall in love with Robin Gibbons and Ruth Roper <laughs> still around. <laughs> wow, what they did to Tyson! He was so catatonic on that couch there with Barbara Walters. I, I'll never forget that. Mike Tyson, the most feared man on the planet at the time, in terms of just raw fisticuffs of power. And uh, he's like, yes, uh, yeah, you abused her. <laughs> and Roper, you could see her, which I would have calculated around. just Just, uh, you know. <laughs> Counting up the money that she was transferring into Swiss bank accounts, it was incredible. While Barbara Walters is sitting there trying to evoke all of this emotional Emotion, yeah. uh, testimony about how what a bitter and uh, you know creepy person Mike Tyson was, all right, uh, we're coming back with more uh, in a moment, and uh, we'll add some distinction to the show, which I think is necessary at this point, uh, by bringing on uh, the lovely and talented Leslie Fisher, who's uh, uh, kind enough to join us here and talk about Bill Russell. Who I, I don't know. Sam Jones was her all time favorite, right? Yes. Halloween, Sam Jones, number 24. And uh, Sam was one of my favorites of all time. And then when I had the pleasure of meeting him, uh, he couldn't have been cool. any more of a delight. Yeah, a very cool. different personality than uh, Bill Russell. Just shows you what kind of diversity they had uh, on those Celtic teams. But <laughs> blended everything together. I, I never forget, I mean, Russell with just one hand on the ball, fires it down the court, streaking Havlicek at the midcourt stripe. Uh, he would dish off to somebody, go in for a layup, and uh, the fast break... Was born, my friend. Uh, the uh, beginning is the roots of Chotang. Uh, we're right there, and uh, we're the uh, work uh, of the imagination of uh, the great Bill Russell. All right. Coming back with more here on the show, it's the Defoe Show. Appeal yourself off the Matt Monday here on South Florida Live. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz, and we'll be back with more in a moment. Now that.
1: The time.
0: What was the gourmet eating? He was eating like a meatloaf sandwich or something somewhere.
1: Oh, really? I don't know. He he Look. posts a lot of food stuff over the weekend. I'm like, I don't even eat that much a yeah. week. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it would take you years
0: to eat this stuff. Seriously, if you were about to walk the Green Mile, you still couldn't put food away like Mayo's been doing. It's, it's I, I, crazy, I respect right? him, man. I don't know how he does it. So, 823. 823. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play, when you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, highly apart.
5: Hey, folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapist, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this, if you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services.
1: They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to LandlubbersBarAndGrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. Leslie Bisser, a
0: lovely and talented one. I mean, uh, the first woman and uh, for a long time the only woman. uh, There are now two in the NFL Hall of Fame. I mean, in there with all of the greats. Johnny U, Joe Willie, all of our favorites. Joe Montana, the great Dan Marino. And uh, Leslie Visser, part of the uh, scene in the NFL Hall of Fame. But uh, what level of distinction is it to be the first guest on our new program? Because uh, I would imagine Leslie Visser, and by the way, how are you? Thanks so much for joining us here on the program.
4: Uh Is this an after-school special? <laughs> <laughs>
0: this isn't practice. We're doing it. <laughs> We're all uh,
4: over the world.
3: <laughs> congratulations to you guys. I I, I want to know... um, I'm so proud to be your first guest, and of course, I have a number of things to go over. That maybe this time it could be different. You know, isn't that the yes. gambler? <laughs>
4: um,
1: you
0: think we're going to erase saying? the past all at once here in one program? It's impossible.
1: The modern day odd couple, Defoe and Louis, are on now. It is, of course, the Defoe Show. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the show, a Peel Yourself Off the Map Monday here on the Defo Show. Leslie Visser are going to join us via video stream also here on South Florida Live in just a few minutes. And we'll get her thoughts and recollections and do some reminiscing about the great Bill Russell, whom she got to know throughout her career. And Bill was at her wedding to Dick Stockton when she married Dick Stockton, a famous sportscaster many, many years ago. In fact, wow, there she is looking resplendent. As always, and uh, looking like she uh, might have just uh, gone and uh, shot a couple of rounds at at uh, Indian Creek Country Club. Uh, can we bring her on, the lovely and talented Leslie Visser? She's on. Leslie, how are you? You look great. Wait a second. I'm. I'm. You sound good.
1: <laughs> but yeah. I'm in
3: the waiting. You're on. Wait a minute. I'm in the waiting room over here.
0: Yeah. Well, it's the same thing as being on uh, on this show. But, uh, yeah, on. Ruby's going to bring you in here. Uh, by the way, no, but, uh, some b- breaking news. Wait a second. Uh, but you yeah. get
3: the, the feedback. How can I get rid of the feedback? I
0: don't know. Oh, there you go. That's a good question. Uh, maybe uh, we'll uh, take a minute and uh, work on that. Uh, the uh, breaking news, of course, uh, Deshaun Watson, a six-game suspension. Six-game suspension. Just there. Just handed okay. down. Okay. Okay, better?
1: Should be there. No,
3: want me to go away? All right, I'm going to go away.
0: Okay. Uh-oh.
4: I'm trying. <laughs> All
0: right. We'll, we'll uh, keep trying there.
1: I, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> All right. Same thing. Technology She's, being I'm what like it you're is. you uh, I don't know. <laughs> All
0: right. We may have to uh, you know, do that via telephone here and yeah, uh, at least uh, get the uh, audio yeah. about the lovely and talented Leslie Visser if we can't work that problem out. Uh, Deshaun Watson, six games. Uh, people are going to say that. That's pretty light. And uh, I don't know that, uh, I mean, can he appeal that or uh, get it reduced after a period of time? Take three on uh, Leslie?
1: She's there. I don't know. Yeah. She, she's are you still getting feedback, Leslie?
3: I'm afraid to talk in case it comes back to me, but it doesn't seem to. It seems okay. Wow. Oh, beautiful.
4: Fantastic. Well, how are you, Good by morning. the way,
0: now that we've got uh, through the uh, technical uh, nightmare and the gremlins here on the show. Uh, how are you?
3: You know, I'm I'm great, and I'm really glad that you know I haven't been on in a while, so I haven't really kept up with Ric Flair. But thank you for talking about him for 45 yeah. minutes.
0: You imagine it? I mean, uh, how could anybody have licensed that? Uh, what state athletic commission to allow a guy that has had four heart surgeries and a kidney transplant?
3: Yeah, yeah, we've heard enough about Ric yeah. Flair. It was a joke.
0: <laughs> All right, now. I I don't know. I mean, uh, at what point in your career uh, were you uh, introduced to uh, the great Bill Russell? Because you were at the Globe there with with a brilliant staff. uh, And uh, tell us uh, about uh, your original experience uh, of meeting and and befriending the great Bill Russell.
3: Uh, Let's see. Of course, I watched him as a child. Like you guys know, Sam Jones was my guy, but Bill Russell, you know, was... Certainly epic on and off the court. And the interesting thing about if you grew up in Boston, you know, I think I was in high school before the Celtics lost. Wow. wow. <laughs> and and you know what they did? If you were raised in Boston, you grew up with the team ethic. That's how you thought people played because, of course, Russell, he only – averaged 16 points a game he he could have averaged more but he won 11 titles in 13 years as he always said yeah yeah i know the yankees have won 28 but it took him 100 years (laughs) (laughs) but uh so you know i saw him at a few games but then definitely at the globe i started to get to know him and then he was dick's partner on nba games for a few years so you know i really had the privilege of riding with him you know you'd have the car service going to and from the game and you know, a dinner here or there, and he just, um, his intellect shone actually above his physical skills. I think that's what created the opportunities for him, and he truly looked at uh basketball as playing for the other people, which was great as a child, you know, to see that, to watch yeah. that that's how it played, and he was very, um, he would talk often about civil rights. I, I remember him once, telling me that his uncle, who was born and raised in the segregated South, you probably know Bill was born in Monroe, Louisiana, his family, after being harassed, moved to Oakland, where he also was harassed. But I remember uh, Bill saying his uncle, who stayed in Louisiana, um, got emotional, uh, because um, he went to see the Celtics play. And he said to Bill, I never thought I'd see water running down a black man standing next to a white man. And he was talking about seeing Havlicek and Sam Jones in the showers after the game.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, and and he was harassed even in Boston. I saw uh, Jackie McMullen, who who you know, uh, obviously very well. And uh, she, she uh, was brilliant and talking about Bill Russell on uh, ESPN last night. Uh, Many, many great uh, tributes uh, to Bill And, uh, she was talking about how, uh, when he moved to the suburbs of Boston, uh, they, they uh, you know, defaced his home and, uh, you know, and, you know, he, he, he just uh, shrugged his stuff off somehow. Uh, although, you know, it, it would be easy to see how he could have uh, become embittered by it all, but, uh, somehow he managed to, uh, you know, handle himself uh, always with grace, class and dignity. And, and, you know, he, he, he did, uh, you know, go through Jackie Robinson type of stuff, even playing for the Celtics as a star in that city.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It um, Boston was formed, of course, in the 1600s as a city of neighborhoods, and they were fit- geographically divided so that the north end were the Italians, the south end were the Irish, Roxbury was on its own, and they really did not mingle, and it was a racist city when he came, even though, you know, as the cradle of liberty but uh it definitely he lived in Reading, as jackie noted his uh house was vandalized and it was defaced and but he loved the celtics he said it took him a long time to play for boston but he always loved the celtics
0: and to your point about uh, team play uh that, one of the things that that came up uh, last night uh, was that uh, they had designed to play for him because he, he wasn't you know, that much of a prolific scorer and was always being compared to Will Chamberlain, who was capable of going off for 100 on any given night and usually was in the 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, you know, and, and averaged like what, like uh, 40 points a game, it seemed like, uh, for a season. Uh, and, and Bill's average lifetime was like 15.6, but uh, uh they said they designed a play for him so he could score more, and they called it the number six. And then uh, Russell's, uh you know, uh, take on it was that uh, he was the fifth option on his own play because he would always pass the ball off. <laughs>
3: Well, you know, he changed the game. I mean, how many people, Lawrence Taylor changed the game, but very few. He, Bill Russell made basketball a vertical game Mm -hmm. before that it was, well, two things before him, you know, defense was sort of a curiosity. So he, he made it that you must play defense. And also until then, remember the centers were, you know, just kind of big white guys who, um, took up space i I remember bill russell's very first game in 56 of course he joined the celtics two months late because he won the gold medal in melbourne and he came and the first time red put him in a game it was against the hawks and he played only you know like 17 minutes but he had like 16 rebounds (laughs) and Uh, he he blocked uh pettit three times (laughs) so people right then said oh my gosh this is going to be a different game
0: Well, he also had the instincts, uh, you know, every now and then you'll see like a a boxer is a great counter puncher and uh, just watching some of the highlights of his block shots. I mean, he had tremendous instincts and the ability to uh, immediately adjust after a ball was dished off and he would come away from his own man. Maybe he was guarding wilt and then come up with a block from behind. Uh, And and I don't know that anybody's had those uh, shot blocking instincts uh, in the history of the game uh, before, certainly, and, and maybe ever since. No,
3: I don't think um, for people who didn't get to see Bill Russell, it's really hard to describe him. I mean, he would do one of two things. Either he would block the shot and not just block it, but direct it. You know, as Red always said, he wasn't blocking it into the third row. Uh, Or he would time the jump so that if it missed, he would go up for the rebound. And he was... um, You know, and he was a consummate human being, a man off the court. Uh, John Thompson had the great line that Bill Russell did it when he had the most to lose. He didn't talk about civil rights decades later. He did it at the time when our country was very divided. It was a very divisive time. But, you know, as you know, he marched with Martin Luther King. He had a front row seat for the I Have a Dream speech. He stood up for Muhammad Ali. He was a, a really... Truly brave, uh, socially conscious man.
1: Well, and he did it his whole life, right? Like, even Jim Brown in recent years, we've seen Jim Brown sort of do a 180. I mean, like, he supported a man a lot of us would never support. Like, Bill Russell did it when it could have cost him everything. And even when he was older, and we see even Kareem is sort of, you know, taking a step back. Bill Russell was at the forefront to his, his last days. Like, he really felt getting the word out and supporting change was one of his most important. It wasn't basketball. It was just being a good human. And that's something it, the tributes were outpouring yesterday, but it was a, we were watching CNN at Shirley's parents and that's all they talked about with Bill Russell. Like it wasn't a basketball figure. He was a human figure that helped make this country a better place.
3: Yes, you no, know, a- absolutely. Luby. And he, I mean, you may have heard the story, you know, uh, Will Chamberlain was not that socially, Uh, active um, in his early years, but after the death, well, the death of Martin Luther King, the very next night, the 76ers and the Celtics had a playoff game, and Russell and Chamberlain talked about, should we call the game off? We are, our heart is not in this. The Celtics had seven blacks. The 76ers had six black players. They decided to play it, but uh, two days later, Russell and Chamberlain together went down to Atlanta to the Ebenezer Baptist Church to Martin Luther King's service, and Will Chamberlain said he changed. That day, he changed.
0: I always uh, hear Russell in my head uh, with uh, Dick Stockton uh, saying, now that was a high-percentage shot, I was, and then he would give uh, that cackle. Um, all right, uh, you uh, you know had social outings, as you said, uh, with Bill Russell, and uh, you know, he came across, obviously, you would think, I mean, with the warmth that we're seeing exhibited towards him, uh, you know, and and sometimes uh, it seemed like he, he might have been a little bit uh, distant with the press, although it wasn't like he shut them out uh, in Belichick-type fashion. But, you know, he, he sort of uh, was selective in that way. But um, you know, what was he like uh, on, on a social scene and uh, going out to have dinner with?
3: Well, he was an aloof man, and he didn't, if he thought— that you weren't a critical thinker. You know, he just, he really had no time. He did not care what anybody else thought of him. And uh, I always remember if you called him at home, he lived, of course, in Mercer Island up in Seattle all those years. And his answering uh, machine would say, you know, you'd call him up and it would be picked up and you'd hear, if I wanted to talk to you, I would have called you.
0: (laughs) That sounds like something you would have on your machine. (laughs) Just for you, my sweetie. Of course, we're talking with uh, NFL Hall of Famer and uh, one of the greats of all time in the broadcasting business, uh, the lovely and talented Leslie Visser, uh, very close uh, relationship. How did he behave at the wedding? Was he as in bad form as uh, Jersey Kyle and I were uh, when you married the Duke? Uh, Well... I could, say and you had was, Red Hour back there too. I mean, uh, yes. what was Red like uh, in these situations? He, they had a little
3: more dignity, I would say, than you and Jersey <laughs> did sharing the tuxedo in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you know what it was amazing about it was, um, you know, people just couldn't believe in Boston that, you know, they didn't care about Dick and me getting married. It was. Oh my God, there's Bill Russell and Brett Auerbach over by the shrimp bowl. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, and
3: as you know, um, Russ didn't give autographs. As a matter of fact, one time Dick made a bet with him, and it was I forget how much money, but um, they decided they would settle it by a check. And Dick insisted on that because that way he got Bill Russell's autograph.
0: autograph. <laughs> <laughs> The cackle uh, was also, I mean, uh, you know, a a signature characteristic uh, of Bill Russell. And uh, it was uh, on high display and and frequent display when he was doing the broadcasting. Uh, And and then he becomes a a player coach. I mean, uh, you know, it's one thing to be a coach and win two championships in three years. But uh, to also be a player on that team, I I don't know. Well, what are your recollections of of, uh, those three years of Celtic basketball where Bill Russell, uh, you know, broke the color barrier as the first ever black head coach in any professional sport. And I think it was like light years ahead of even Frank Robinson mm-hmm. becoming the first, uh, you know, black manager in major league baseball and, and, and a long time before we saw a black head coach uh, in the NFL. But uh, what, what are your recollections of those years uh, and the way Russell handled it?
3: Well, I'll tell you actually from a different perspective when he took over, he only coached Seattle, right? For a year, I think. And yeah, uh, uh, Seattle
0: and Sacramento. He was a head coach. also. Yeah. But yeah. I
3: just remember him telling me when he coached, he only was at, I think, Seattle for a year. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know, what happened? And, and his answer was, I tried to treat my players like myself. Problem is, most of them weren't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that was the other thing, a legendary part of the story. I mean, uh, here, here's uh, what you would figure would be kind of a hard-ass, old-school uh, coach in Red Auerbach. And, and yet he had a, a special treatment. Where, where Russell would you know, sit out practices, and, and uh, his teammates didn't mind uh, because uh, they knew uh, that he would do everything possible to uh, help the team win, and that's what he was all about.
3: Well, he only had one speed, so even in practice he played so hard. But it was uh, everyone so respected each other, you know, and on that team uh, you could not. He expected um, full commitment and he played that way. And, you know, it was difficult. You know, he and Kuzi had um, a, a problem. They weren't close for a long time. And then the last book Cousy wrote called The Last Pass, which he wrote about, it was an apology in there to Bill Russell that he felt that Cousy felt he hadn't Uh, handled it well enough when Russell was facing all the racism that Koozie kind of sat it out. And it's sort of funny. It's so telling of Bill Russell. So he wrote the book. And then afterwards, Cousy wrote a letter to Bill Russell just saying, look, I know it's so late in the game, but I just want you to know that I really feel ashamed that I did not do more to support you. And two years later, Kuzi's phone rang and it was bill russell and Kuzi said well did you get the letter and russell said yeah i got it you know i think the position of the big man in the nba now has so changed
4: (laughs) that's great (laughs) and they they just went went on
0: (laughs) yeah it's funny too because people always want to you know uh, try to figure out uh, could could some player from the past who was brilliant like a bill russell fit into uh, today's game And you would have to think uh, with his uh, athleticism, even though uh, this is a position that's been uh, uh, sort of diminished in its importance because uh, of the emphasis uh, of even these big men shooting outside. You you couldn't have imagined Bill Russell standing out there uh, hoisting threes uh, all night. Well,
3: you know, I don't know about that part, but you're right. Now Kevin Durant, you know, has mastered the three. But I think that I don't think anybody still would have want to gone down the lane and face that block. So. No, I think great is great. You know, I think yeah. people find a way to be great no matter what era they're in, if they're great.
0: All right. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was nice to see uh, all of these tributes. Uh, I thought uh, there were many uh, really uh, well-related tributes to Bill Russell, including your brother, uh, Chris, uh, had a sensational little thing that he wrote on Facebook. I don't know if he put that out on any other uh, platforms, but, uh, Uh, And many people were were moved and said, wow, that's really fantastic. So uh, he obviously uh, felt very close to uh, Bill Russell as well. Uh, uh, The news came out just before you came on about Deshaun Watson, uh, and and we're getting ready for another NFL season. Uh, uh, Any impression uh, of that, or is it just something that uh, the vagaries of the case are such that, I mean, uh, who's to know if uh, the Uh, NFL made a a correct determination?
3: Did Sue Robinson say that he had violated the code of conduct?
0: Yes,
1: yes. He violated the conduct, six games. Yeah. Right? Six-game uh, six suspension, yeah, yeah. I
3: think when they got Deshaun, they figured four to six. Oh, really? Because I, I was I thinking guess, a year. Think yeah. kind, well, no, I think that's what the, the Browns the were thinking. Yeah. yeah. I think they thought, you know, kind of four to six, we can live with that. You know, it's it's um, it's it's um not disappointing because every woman has a right to do what she wants, but didn't he settle with all but one of all them? All but one, So man. Yeah. So there was less to for sue robinson probably in some ways to consider but um you know i wouldn't i wouldn't please to talk about him after bill russell i i think that's yeah kind
4: yeah, of, yeah it's kind of a big switch of room. yeah
0: for sure well i mean it's just uh you know it's it's always going to be an issue uh, with the nfl and uh you know what, what are their real sensitivities about women And uh, many people feel like, uh, you know, that they might be paying lip service to uh, a lot of this. Uh, I I don't know. uh, Do do you think there will be, you know, outrage on the part of, uh, you know, women followers of the NFL or uh, do people just just not care?
3: Well, I think usually the impact of something is if it has video, which yep. member yeah. Ray Rice that yeah, they true. really yeah, yeah. took yeah, yeah. a strong stand on uh, domestic violence. So, without any video here, I think people can either continue to be um troubled by it or they can say, well, you know, 23 of the 24 settled. So Exactly. So, I think it's uh it'll be how he does probably on the field, which yeah. um yeah, you know, it's going to be an interesting year in the NFL. I'm excited for it.
0: A lot of change uh, around the National Football League, including what seems to be an infusion of enthusiasm on the part of Miami Dolphin players. Uh, have you met this Mike McDaniel? And uh, well, if uh, not, I mean, uh, well, we we know that he was successful as part of Shanahan staff in San Francisco. Seemed to have some uh, ideas that were innovative and certainly is uh, an odd departure from uh, the typical... NFL coach. Have you met this guy or had a chance to talk to him yet?
3: Uh, I've been in a room where he's spoken, but I haven't spoken one-on-one with him, but he reminds me of, remember Mark Tressman. how interesting Mark Tressman was. That's kind of who he reminds me of. And he's very interesting, remains to be seen, but I think it's great for Tua that it's an offensive coach. You know, it didn't, really work with him having a defensive coach
0: no and uh, we uh, were saying earlier and uh, you know I've said this before I I never really could you know you can kind of sense what a coach's style is Uh, I I never really got a sense of what Brian Flores was trying to do offensively I mean maybe felt like he he didn't have a team that uh, he could pull off anything that he really wanted to with uh, but I I never really had any kind of sense of what this guy was trying to do It, it was a very hard offense to figure out
3: well, you don't see many defensive head coaches now. You know, it's gone largely toward offense. So, uh, but, you know, I've gotten to know Brian pretty well. You know, his story is astonishing, right? Stepping over heroin addicts yeah. uh, in where he was raised. So I think, I think as a person, he's, he's very unique. And there's a guy who stood up for what he believed. But uh, I think maybe his best efforts are being a defensive assistant.
0: Yeah, maybe so. And uh, he comes to town here uh, with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, in October. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff on the horizon. But it's nice to see. I mean, you've been around Miami a long time uh, to actually see some enthusiasm Excitement. coming from uh, the Dolphins <laughs> players about the upcoming season as opposed to yeah. the usual, well, I don't know, we got to beat the Bills.
3: Remember uh, the last billboards we saw about football was when, uh, on 95, was when Greg Schiano was trying to
0: recruit yes. <laughs> Miami
4: Rutgers. players for Rutgers.
3: Hey, before, before we each go, give yeah. me, do you have a pick for the Whitney? I'm headed up to Saratoga. Oh, I don't know who's in the Which we do not Whitney. call Toga. Please do not call it Toga. <laughs> and we do not call it Frisco. Please what, don't call it Frisco. What is
0: the occasion here uh, that, that is bringing you to Saratoga? Yeah, what are you doing man? I mean, I'm, I'm green with uh, jealousy and envy. I, I'm green um, anyway because it uh, was a rough weekend, but... Uh, no, no, no. I mean, uh, well, what's going on here?
3: Uh, I just have some friends. You know, I try to go up once a year. And oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. Also, Patino will be there. It's the sales. Patino, on Monday. nice. So, you know, he'll be there.
0: <laughs> when, when are you leaving for I mean, oh, Saratoga, Saratoga.
3: Nobody calls it that unless you're some guys (laughs) and dolls loser. (laughs) And by the way, now that I'm on this, Frankie Fiore and I, would you please change that poster behind you so it's hanging correctly, (laughs)
4: not backwards?
0: Oh, that is backwards. (laughs) Seriously, I think that's Frankie like some theory. kind of camera thing, uh, you know. Well, then get again? a
3: different poster because Frankie, I mean, if you look <laughs> at it from uh, you know,
0: if you're staring at it,
3: well, it's... we're not looking, well, Correct. we see it every day. And Frankie said yeah. to me, Why can't he turn that thing around? So please fix it. All right, that's it. You all have all no gift right. for good. the Whitney, and you all didn't right. see the
0: flare match, huh? All right, we love all you. Right. you know, why do I bother? I
1: we both you. asked that question, but thank you Go for doing it. Send her center love to the Duke. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us.
0: I always feel like it's the last time she's signing off, and I, I, right. I hate to think that. You know. <laughs> All
4: right,
0: a little insight into uh, Bill Russell here. Leslie, uh, you're fantastic on that. God, this is the best. Um, wow, well, I mean, it, it was hard not to have just a massive dose of respect for this man. I mean, even if you didn't like the Celtics, hated him. Uh, we we did refrain. Uh, he offered his services today to get his opinion about Bill Russell, the <laughs> like mi- professor.
1: Minutes after I found out, before yeah. I could even wrap my head around it, I got a text from him. All right, Body I'll talk to you guys cold. tomorrow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I that Bill had... Russell was the most overrated player of all time. Overrated. <laughs> <He>
4: said...
0: <laughs> and all of this talk about uh, you know uh, the uh, you know what work he did to, to try and uh, advance. The civility of the human race, you know that uh, that was bogus too. I, I don't know. Does he think that? I'm not sure. No, we have never gotten into
1: his off the court uh, yeah. adventures. Just on the court, he feels like he was a glorified Rodman. That's what he. he that's what he feels like. A glorified Rodman. All right. He was great defensively, great at rebounding, but. Uh, his, his shot he, was, uh,
0: you know, n- nothing. You know that, that you are going to say was going to come out of a textbook. And this it wasn't and like eight, he was flicking in uh, jumpers like he was Sam Jones going to the bank.
1: The offense is a bigger deal, and he never did offense. I just know, like b- b- Leslie said, it like we don't know what that guy would have been in a different era. Like that's all he was asked to do. Coming out of San Francisco, he did like everything, and he didn't have to do that with yeah. the Celtics. Right? Red...
0: I think he could have scored more points. So that's a thing. Like, client to uh, really be that interested in it, and if you look. And see a lot of the highlights. Uh, he had all these weird maneuvers under the basket there. Right? You know, he'd come up underhand and do all kinds of stuff. Was very agile uh, by comparison to uh, some of the other uh, big white slug centers, as, unless you say set. that yeah. exactly. But uh, you know, let's face it. Uh, she was thinking Billy Pauls, big picture. <laughs> What was he? The grouper? The flounder?
1: I don't, I don't
0: know. I want to say he was the flounder, but he wasn't. Uh, the whopper. What Was that uh, what Billy I've, Pauls I've, was? The I've whopper? never heard that name before
1: you, so I don't know what the hell Billy Pauls was.
0: Billy Pauls, man. St. John's. Come on. Luke Arnaseka. There you go. Who, uh, oh, by the way, I saw that thing. Uh, New York City Point Gods.
1: Yeah, did you actually Pretty watch good. it? I want Very to watch interesting. It.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it was a sort of a weird thing because it, it went from one guy to another and it was a lot of hyperbole, uh, but it was interesting. I mean, it had some great clips in there, including uh, Pearl Washington. A lot of people speaking, uh, you know, and when you watch the Pearl man with the cues, wow, he really was, as Dick Vitale would say, a diaper dandy. It was great. Uh, not so good with the uh, pros, but uh, great there. Ron Strickland, uh, tremendous. Mark Jackson, interesting story. Uh, no, I, I thought it was worth uh, definitely worth viewing. I, in fact, I, I saw it in pieces. I haven't seen the whole thing uh, you know, from beginning to end, but I, if I see it, I, I, I recorded it, so I'm going to watch it uh, later on and uh, catch it. Because if you're a basketball fan and especially, uh, you know, grew up in New York uh, playing any kind of ball, whether it was in the city or on Long Island, uh, you know, th- these names were definitely meaningful in the legend that they laid out there at Rucker Park and other places around. I mean, every time we have Jim Larinagon, on, I mean, in vivid detail, he can talk about some game that he had in a park in the Bronx. Which uh you know is always fascinating to me, so uh, no, it, it was a well done piece, Libby, I think you'll enjoy it. New York City point gods, God sham God. Was, God sham uh, God a
1: part of it. I love that uh, Skip to my lose a part of it. Um, like a lot of you guys he was I legendary,
0: up... though. I mean, how, how long was it between the time that he was like this park legend and he actually made it to the NBA was I mean, it was it a long
1: period of time I think it there? was years
4: like, he was an and one for a while.
0: I remember my son calling me and saying, uh, wow, guess what? We got skipped to my Lou on the heat roster. And, uh, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, that kind of flashy nope. player. He was essentially what? A three-point shooter. What, he, he he, got the they, they got yeah.
1: into his head to play some defense, facilitate, and shoot threes. He was on the team with Lamar Odom and Caron Butler and yeah. Young Wade. And he w- played his role to a T to the point where he got a big-ass deal, I think, with the Rockets. Like, yes. he, he was one of those guys that was willing to taper down his and-one game and make it. More patterned toward the n b a you know and it, it was very really cool.
0: much uh, you know in the uh, fashion of Earl the Pearl Monroe when he went to the knicks there you go and, and, and you could probably say the same about uh, Bill Russell in terms of uh, offensive uh, productivity i mean uh I, I would imagine if he wanted to average twenty a game if that was one of his things, he probably could have done it
1: that's my thing is like I don't slam him for what he did do I slam i i i he did what he was needed to do. It was like Anthony Davis on that Kentucky no. team. Like, the, oh, They're like, well, can he do more in the pros? It's like, yeah, probably, but he's surrounded by five stars. So, like, why would he? He was doing what he needed to do to win, and Bill Russell did that for a, a long time. That was his role.
0: Uh, ran the floor and uh, also was often igniting these fast breaks. So, uh, you know, the likelihood of him uh, scoring and benefiting from uh, his own hard work under the basket was, uh, you know, somewhat uh, limited. And, uh, you know, he, he wasn't getting those easy baskets that some of his teammates were. Uh, which were all, uh, you know, triggered, and, uh, he He's was the catalyst passager. for, you know, all of the stuff that was going on on the, uh, fabled Celtics fast break, uh, the original Showtime. All right, uh, we're going to come back with more in just a moment, close right. things out on this Peel Yourself Off the Matt Monday. Thanks to Leslie Visser for joining us. It's always a blast having Leslie on the show. Uh, great stuff as always, uh, with her, uh, uh, recollections uh, about uh, Bill Russell and uh, his career uh, the day after his passing at 88 years old. Uh, almost made it, what, to 89? Did he yeah. almost make 89? Yeah, it's crazy. See, see there was no uh, inclination, though. I mean, what, was there any indication? Like, you usually would hear something, though. No? Like, uh, wow, Bill
1: Russell's in poor health or something, no? No, and I, came out of I nowhere. thought it was fine. But, I mean, he's 88, so I guess once you get there.
4: Yeah.
0: Once you get to 71, Lubey, I mean, uh, <laughs> let's face it. Sitting here very much on borrowed time. All right. Uh, the Gambling Gourmet at 12 o'clock. We're coming back to wrap things up in just a moment here on the Defoe Show on a Peel Yourself to Matt Monday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we'll come back with more in a moment. Now that it's
5: 8.56. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere. Not too loud, but good energy. Reasonable prices and a place where you feel comfortable. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight?
2: From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at Mile Marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at Mile Marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066.
1: I have sinned against you, my Lord. The only way to get your morning started is with Defoe, joined by Luby, right here on The Defoe Show.
0: Uh, Thanks to Andy uh, confirming it was the Whopper. Billy Pauls was the Whopper. You don't remember Billy Paul. I never uh, I mean, a legendary uh, New York player there <laughs> from uh, <laughs> campus of St. John's University. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, great being with you. I, I did, uh, and, and speaking of the gambling Gourmet, I stopped in uh, one of our places uh, that we do remotes from uh, once a month, Costas. Nice. So uh, I told the Mustang uh, that, uh, you know, we, we were going up that way. And uh, coming back, I, I said, you ought to have that, that pizza that you had with the spinach and the gargonzola yeah, cheese. that's great. All right, so I'm thinking, wow, and they sell that by the slice for, like, yep. you know, a couple of bucks. It's unbelievable. Last and, and it's a giant slice. It's like the size of that Klitschko poster back there. It's the size of Barry Bonds' head, these slices. A meal in and of itself for two. I, I literally, like, like you could order one slice, have them split it down the middle, which they're more than happy to do.
4: Yep.
0: And uh, grab a couple of beers, and, and you've actually had, uh, like, like, a meal onto itself with one slice of pizza there at Costas. But... Uh, it, it was brilliant. And, and uh, you know, I got myself a falafel, which I'm now addicted to. their falafels. And uh, it's calling my name. Half of it is still in the fridge. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Enjoy but hostess, uh, man. 49th Street. It's it's worth a little deviation there on Federal Highway, man. And a very festive place. And uh, this Portnoy, he, he pulls a lot of steam, huh? There were people in there that started coming in only because of the Portnoy one bite pizza thing. And uh, th- these were sports, huh? I mean, uh, maybe they had an investment in barstool sports because uh, guy just sent a hundred dollars back to the kitchen—a real class move. Said, "Here, give this to the guys in the kitchen after he had his meal. Nice. Sent him a hundred-dollar bill. Pretty nice, man. Some rich Greek guy, but uh, nonetheless, uh, thought it was a nice gesture. There, it was a good vibe in uh, Coast yeah, 49th Street and uh, borderline right there on the border. I think, I think you have one foot in a Bayou, one foot in New York City. <laughs> Because uh, you're right there between Lighthouse Point and Pompano Beach at uh, Coast is on 49th Street. Uh, no, great, great stuff, man. The pizza's uh, top-notch. Mustang, love it. All right, uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 7. It was a lot of fun being with you uh, today. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow at 7. We'll see you also at 12 o'clock here, South Florida Live, with Mike Mayo's Lunchbox. It's always a lot of fun. Yes, Talk to food and uh, degeneracy with one Michael Q. Mayo. And uh, so until then, uh, thanks for watching, everybody. And we'll see you next time as we leave you know that.
4: The time
0: It's nine o'clock. Let's go to eat a damn snack.
5: Look what they've done to my show.